It is your Kentucky Oaks preview show. We are putting this together September the 1st into September the 2nd. Tuesday into Wednesday. You'll probably get this in your feeds early Wednesday. And we're going to deep dive that Friday card at Churchill Downs. Yes, it is weird. Kentucky Oaks and Kentucky Derby in September. The first Friday and the first Saturday in September. But we're going to treat it just like it was the Oaks, just like it was the Derby. We're going to give you two separate podcasts this week with the focuses, the racing cards from Churchill Down. We're going to go through every single race on Friday and then every single race on Saturday. And it's going to be really cool the way um, I, I try to break it up. So for Friday, I'm going to tackle the early part of the Friday card myself. And then Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali, who normally join me. For the old wrestling recap Well we put that on hold this week And since they're both big horse racing guys We just broke down the the late pick 5 For Friday We spent an hour and a half The three of us Race by race 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 All the way up until the Oaks Opinions on You know How to build your tickets Who we like Horses to play Horses not to play I think it ends up like an hour and 40 minutes They give a, a thought or two on the derby as well But we really get into that late pick five with those nice stakes races at Churchill. And then, you know, earlier on, before we even get to that, we'll talk about the Major League Baseball trade deadline. There was a lot of late action. The Padres went all in. Recap the last two episodes of Hard Knocks, episode three and four. We'll get through both of those as football season is just a week, less than a week and a half away. First game next Thursday. Wow. Tons to discuss here with the focus horse racing over at Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Oaks. Before we get into uh, the the trade deadline, which I want to talk a little bit about first, and then we'll get into you know breaking down the the Churchill Friday stuff. This week, stable duel, the contest schedule. So Wednesday, they have a ten dollar contest at Parks. $10 buy-in, they have a $250 guaranteed pool there Make sure to get involved And then you can play at Emerald $5 buy-in Thursday, Charlestown has a $10 buy-in And then the Emerald Downs Late Night Special $5 buy-in Then on Friday A couple different places have contests And Friday starts what is a three-day series It is called the Del Mar Derby $1,500 bonus to the top three point holders over those three days So make sure you, To get involved each day Each of those contests on Friday, Saturday, Sunday Are $25 buy-ins With $1,000 guaranteed pools And then you also will get a part of that bonus So Friday you could play In that Del Mar contest You could also play in just a regular $10 buy-in At Del Mar or at Gulfstream for 5 Saturday They have Charlestown for 5 that second of the Del Mar $25 buy-in that, So that's that's the second part of that Three three day series For the Del Mar Derby Then you can also play in just a regular Del, uh, Del Mar $10 buy-in And then Sunday is the final Day three of that Del Mar Derby series $25 buy-in It's been A really good week for uh, Stable Duel 2 uh, Stable Duel 2 They announced a, a couple different things um, One of them Was a an initiative for aftercare month at Stable Duel, teaming up with a couple different places to raise money for aftercare and gift a OTT 
be thoroughbred owners some prizes uh, along the way. So really cool stuff. You can read up more about that at Stable Duel. And if you follow them on social media, you'll notice they're they're doing a great job of um, answering a lot of questions that people have through videos. So there's one on the feed right now that talks about how you can follow horses in the app and get alerted when they're entered. There's another that talks about the uh, rewards program and what the annual leaderboard is. One that just explains kind of how you build your lineup and go through the process. So make sure to uh, follow Stable Duel on your social media and you'll get a look at all the, the great news every time they have a new contest, anything coming up at Stable Duel. Trade deadline in baseball. I mean, obviously, just a crazy different year in baseball because it's a 60 game season. We're more than halfway through the season now. And let's just list the moves starting with about a week ago, August 21st. Phillies acquire reliever Brandon Workman, Heath Embry from the Red Sox for pitchers Nick Pavetta, Connor Siebold. We saw the Red Sox look up and notice where they were and said, hey, you know what? Let's just get rid of any anyone that has got any semblance of trade value. Let's trade them and get something back for them because we're not going anywhere this year. So the, I thought the Red Sox did a pretty good job at the trade deadline. August 24th, Blue Jays acquire uh, Daniel Vogelbach from the Mariners. Blue Jays acquired uh, Tawan Walker from the Mariners. And the, Ray, um, the Rays acquire Brett Phillips from the Royals for shortstop Lucius Fox. White Sox acquire Jared Dyson from the Pirates. And then we get the Padres. They start to get into it. Trevor Rosenthal from the Royals for outfielder Edward Oliveris and a player to be named later. The A's get a couple sneaky pieces. Tommy Listella, one of them, from the Angels for infielder Franklin Barreto. The Braves get Stommy Totter uh, Milone from the Orioles for two players to be named later. Padres acquire Mitch Moreland from the Red Sox for infielder Hudson Potts and outfielder Jesson Rosario. So that's a a need that fills the DH Someone who's very good against right-handed pitching Mitch Moreland Cubs get a bat to help them With Jose Martinez Rockies acquire Michael Givens For first baseman Tyler Nevin And shortstop Taryn Vavra and a player to be named later Padres get some catching help With a couple different uh, couple different catchers The first one Jason Castro from the Angels For uh, Reyes Then they also get catcher The Padres also get catcher Austin Nola and relievers Austin Adams and Dan Altavia from the Mariners. So they are just making moves. The Blue Jays, they take a swing on Robbie Ray from the for the D-backs. So they need to get a little pitching because the Blue Jays are currently in the playoffs right now if the season ends. The Athletics make a move, a type of move that they normally make, right? They get someone who's been struggling a little bit and hope they can bring them in and they can get some value out of them. And that's starter Mike Miner from the Rangers. If he can turn back the clock to give them some of the innings that he gave last year to the Rangers, that's a big acquisition for the A's. And then the big one, the Padres get starter Mike Clevenger. He will become their number one starter and give them a very good 1-2-3 punch. They get him from the Indians. Outfielder Greg Allen, a player to be named later for Cal Quantrill, Joey Cantillo, Austin Hedges, Gabriel Arias, Owen Miller, and Josh Naylor in a pretty big blockbuster. And some of the other moves Blue Jays get Jonathan Villar from the Marlins So another addition for the Blue Jays How about the Marlins going all in They make a move to go get Starling Marte For Caleb Smith Humberto Mejia and a player to be named later Who ended up being uh, Julio Frias 
Cubs acquire left-handed reliever Andrew Chafin from the Diamondbacks for a player to be named later, and they also got left-handed reliever Joss Oshich from the Red Sox. So a couple of pieces to help the bullpen for the Cubs, something they desperately needed. Sneaky, solid moves for the Cubs to fill a void. Phillies get David Phelps from the Brewers for three players to be named later. Rockies get Kevin Pillar in cash from the Red Sox for a player to be named later in international slot money. So Pillar makes a move as we see the Red Sox just shipping off anyone who has some sort of value, which is smart. Giants get left-hander Anthony Bonda from the Rays. Padres acquire right-hander Taylor Williams from the Mariners. So a little bullpen help there for the Padres. Mets acquire Catcher Robinson Chirinos and Cash from the Rangers. Mets also acquire Todd Frazier from the Rangers. Mets also acquire reliever Miguel Castro from the Orioles for left-hander Kevin Smith and a player to be named later or Cash. And the Reds acquire Archie Bradley Jr. and Cash from the D-backs for utility man Josh Van Meter and outfielder Stuart Fairchild. Cubs get Cameron Mabin from the Tigers. Reds get Brian Goodwin from the Angels, who's sneaky. He can give them some big at-bats. So we had, you know, and uh, Padres got Taylor Williams from the Mariners, and the Blue Jays get Ross Stripling from the Dodgers, which was a bummer. Ross was someone who has been a Dodger for a while, and he's given the Dodgers some big innings. He's been in the, the pen. He's been a starter for a while. He's just done whatever they've asked of him. They traded him to the Angels. That trade didn't go through earlier in the year, so he came back. And he's just, he struggled a little bit this year. They have a lot more options, and in particular, they have a really strong bullpen. So moving him to the bullpen in most years would have been a very good option. But this year, when you look at the the arms the Dodgers have down there, and then you have you know someone like Tony Gonsolin who's been coming back and forth from the minors or from your you know your taxi squad and, and up and down, you're probably better off. You know Alex Wood just coming back. Uh, he made he made his first uh, start back from injury and coming out of the bullpen just pitching a, an inning. So unfortunately for someone like Ross, yeah. Just didn't seem like there was a lot of room for him on the Dodgers with his struggles this year. So he goes to Toronto, and he can give them some good innings. He just, it's like anything, sometimes a change in scenery wakes you up a little bit. Some, there's a new pitching coach, um, somebody's a new scout helping you out. Just different different philosophy, different thoughts, different anything to, sh- to shake things up a little bit. So he'll be hanging out with the, the other uh, former Dodger, Ryu, there with the Blue Jays. Yeah, so it's obviously the the Padres, the big the big. Uh, Team that everybody's going to be looking at from what they did. A couple catchers, Castro and Austin Nola. Uh, Austin Nola. They get Mitch Moreland. They get Austin Adams, Dan Altavia, Trevor Rosenthal, and Taylor Williams to all help in the bullpen. And a top of the line starting pitcher with Clevenger. So now you got Clevenger, Lamette, and Paddock. If that's your one, two, three in a three game series, or if you start those three arms multiple times in a long series. And with the offense that they have right now, the number one offense in baseball, you know, the, this team is legitimate. Now, they're still chasing the Dodgers. And on paper, there's probably still a gap, but that gap got closed very, very quickly. Because pitching is the equalizer. If you have legitimate top of the line starting pitching, we saw last year what happened with the Nationals. You just keep rotating those awesome starters and get as many innings out of you, as you can, because what we see is teams that have good bullpens. Sure, that's a great thing. But what ends up happening is when you have to use four, five, six different arms in one game, what happens? There's much more likelihood that one of those pitchers doesn't have their right stuff, 
throws a bad pitch is a little bit off. If there's one pitcher you have deal in, you just let them deal. I don't think we see enough of that nowadays. And the Padres, they got a they got a strong roster right now. And nobody, I mean, you look around who else, you know, the Blue Jays. I think it the the teams that that felt like they said, hey, you know what? This is a short year. We're in a spot where we're either in the playoffs or sitting just on the outside. We're not giving up. We're gonna make a move or two. And we saw the Padres did a lot more than that. Reds, Blue Jays, Marlins, A's all showed with how they handled themselves at the trade deadline. They're they're going for it. They're trying to make runs this year. So get ready for another fun uh second half of the baseball season. The trade deadline is over. These teams are now gonna be standing pat. Who is improved the most? Can the Padres take that big step? We're only a week away from the NFL. There are tons of fantasy contests available over at Thrive Fantasy. Do you like to play fantasy football year long? I mean, I play fantasy football, baseball, basketball. Also, I play in fantasy horse races. I'm in all sorts of different fantasy stuff. Thrive Fantasy is a DFS app for prop bets, and it gives you options for basically every sport that's that's been out there right now. Recently, before a lot of the big sports came back, they had League of Legends stuff. They had golf going on. They would have soccer. Now you throw baseball into the mix, you throw basketball into the mix, and you bring in football coming back next week. What you do is you select your lineup around a list of prop bets. If you're someone who play who wagers on a lot of props, you will really like the format of Thrive Fantasy. And I'm offering you a little bit of a bonus for the listeners of our show. If you go right now, sign up, download the Thrive Fantasy app, use the promo code GINO, deposit 20 bucks, you get an instant $20 bonus right back. There's a lot of contests that you can play in for $20, $25, the big ones that have thousands of prizes, thousands of dollars in prizes. You can play in contests all the way down to $2, $5, head-to-heads, group contest. You can play in bigger ones for $500 and $1,000. And they have free rolls all the time where if you're just watching contests pop up, they're free, and they do give you back cash prizes. Totally legit. Site. I've had a, played in a ton of contests over there. I've won some money. I've uh, made my withdrawals. I've deposited. Everything's worked out great. Thrive Fantasy promo code GINO. Deposit 20. Get that $20 bonus. Churchill Downs Friday. Let's talk about the, the Friday Churchill card. I'm going to go through the early part of the card, and then we're going to bring in Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali, and we're going to really get into the, the late pick five. Look at your past performances out. We're talking about Friday, Churchill Downs, September the 4th. And we kick things off with a maiden special weight race. Phillies and Mayors, three-year-olds, and up. You have an entry in here with the the one. Sovereign Appeal and movie moxie to me especially if you get that two for one i think the entry to me movie moxie is the one to beat and i really like sovereign appeal as well as a logical contender if you're getting the two for one i think that's that's where you start in here so movie moxie she she'll be making her third start she was third in her debut then she came back she was just beaten in neck um, she just missed last out on an off track she's the one to beat Sovereign Appeal The thing about Movie Moxie She's she's burned some money She's been your beaten favorite twice And she's going to take a lot of money again in here Especially with the, the stablemate Sovereign Appeal Who looks live 
She debuted at Gulfstream, didn't show much, but then she came back in her second start at Churchill at June, and she was behind a horse who, who's a nice one who's come back to win, and we're going to see later on the card. That was a very productive race that she comes out of on June the 27th. She was a step slow from the rail. She got shuffled a bit from the inside. She was outrun as they flew early. She was back to last on the inside. She kept inside, and she closed very nicely up the rail. She was a clear-cut second that day, Sovereign Appeal. So for me, I start with the entry of Sovereign Appeal movie Moxie. They're the one to beat. Of course, Financial One is going to take a lot of money. This horse has got a very nice pedigree. The Dam was just one for six, but she has produced five foals to race. They are all winners. They've combined to go 16 for 64 for almost $3.3 million in earnings. The top earner of them, Close Hatches, who is the half-sib to Financial One. Close Hatches was a 9 for 14 2.7 million in earnings. I'm just not a fan of the seven furlongs in the debut. I just I don't love it. It's not an easy distance to debut at. Horses win at it all the time, sure. But when I look at a race and I see other horses that are have it that have a little more foundation, I prefer others if it's if it's close. So that's why I lean towards the one of the horses I think are going to be the short price in here, the one A movie Moxie and, and the one sovereign appeal. You'll get the two for one there. I do look to the outside towards a couple other horses that I think are very live. Let's talk about the nine Whispering Pines. So she's a first-time starter. Her dam was five for seven, earned two hundred ninety-seven thousand dollars. Was a multiple stakes winner. Was Grade Two placed. This filly is drawn well. She has two siblings. They're both winners. This jockey trainer combination. They won their last two races together. A horse named Inject. Was one of them who was a nice first time starter And in the last year This jockey trainer combo Was 5 for 14 together with a second And 3 thirds They are just live They come out running The 2 Glamour girl who draws the rail She turns back She will come running She needs a little pace help But you know, look at some of the races that she comes out of Behind Fire Corral and uh, Paris Lights who, who came back to win a grade one out of there So One Nine Five Two Some of the horses I'm looking to You, you want to look towards others Norma Jean B In her last start She showed some improvement She was a step slow But she Recovered very well She settled in between horses on the inside But then she had nowhere to go It was sneaky trouble She got pushed back, nowhere to go She ended up finishing third that day If you like movie Moxie Norma Jean B was a few lengths behind her But did have a reason to be She has every reason to improve along with her Throw her in at least on one of your tickets or underneath and then Chewy Chewy Good, who's now going to cut back She was a pace factor from the inside She was uh, in the two path, she was pressing Then up to take the lead She She did, she did try to battle It wasn't a bad effort in her debut Going a mile, slight turn back now To seven furlongs Horses to me I, I've kind of st- stacked this race In order, one nine five two seven eight. I'm going to play something right away where I single the one Another one where I use 159 And then maybe another one where I use uh, All of those uh, contenders that I mentioned Because you can kick off uh, Right off the bat in race number one at Churchill You can kick off an early pick five On Friday Let's get you to race number two 
And let's start. I'm going to start with the sixth. And here is my top selection. That is salty as can be. So we have a bunch of first time starters in here, a couple horses with some experience. The six is a first time starter for Mark Cassie, Gary Barber, Bakari Racing, two year old daughter of it into mischief. They paid $850,000 for this one. And her dam was two for 10. She was stakes placed. She has produced four siblings that have raced. Two of them are multiple winners. One of them was named Salty, who was four for 11, earned 688,000, was a multiple graded stakes winner, and was a grade one winner over the Churchill Downs racetrack. Salty as can be. We'll be on all of my tickets. Quick Money showed speed in her debut. That's the seven. She was very fast from the outside. She opened up a couple lengths. She was no match for the real talented winner, Inject, but she held second nicely. I think Quick Money is a must use with that speed. The nine, Amusing Antics. Another one to look to. The dam was unraced. This is the first full, but she's a little bit sneaky when you look at her work tab. The barn isn't known for winning a bunch first time out, but they win with the good ones that are ready. This filly is looks a little ready. Throw the nine. I'm using antics in, in some of your uh, exotics. The number four. We have to look to Lady Traveler, first time starter, two year old daughter of Quality Road. I mean, this is just a brutally difficult race. And her dam was just one for ten, but she's produced seven seven foals to race. Six of them winners. One of them was Heart to Heart, who's earned two million, who won at the age of two, was a fifteen time winner. The Romans Barn is capable. They're 20 for their last 200 of the first time starters, 5 for the last 22. Same type of thing. A lot of these barns that don't crank their horses all the time to, to win first out, they still will win first out. Plenty with good horses. And that's how this barn is. Lady Traveler might be one of them. What's wrong with the three? Sayonara. Damn, when her first two starts, including a grade three. Both of those wins were over this racetrack She's produced two uh, two foals One of them won Asmussen always a super capable First time out barn You look at the Horses to the outside The 11 and the 12 Fair sighted Damn won twice But did earn $230,000 Was graded stakes placed And multiple stakes placed The lone sibling for this one uh, Is 0 for 5 but the outside super sport Another one who's damn Won a couple times uh, Earned over 100,000 She has some very quick workouts on the page Looks like she has a little bit of ability In the mornings to uh, that she's been showing Malibu Bird In her debut She had a fine start She was up to press She was second She was just off She moved to the lead She... You know, immediately was tackled with a three-wide move, but she was a clear-cut second that day. No real knocks on her. No reason why she can't improve. She was your beaten favorite. Nah, that, I've mentioned six, seven, nine, four, three, eleven, twelve, two. <laughs> that gives you an idea of what kind of a race it is. So, how you play your early pick five or some of your early exotic wagers, because this is the start of the early pick four. You could play. A lot of people will probably spread out in here And that's generally not When when everyone else spreads out You don't want to spread too I'm going to play one ticket Where I probably just go all If I've singled in the first race And a pick five on that one And then on my next ticket 
I feel like I, I could probably shorten up a little bit to you know six three four six seven nine. That's not shortening up six seven nine. Maybe a few dollars to win on the six as long as she's you know over like over six to one. Let's move to race number three here. Optional sixty two non twos mile and a sixteenth. For me, the early exotics. And again, why I'm going to be able to spread out a little bit more in race number two also are going to come down a lot to the this third race because it's just going to be the four for me. Positive spirit. I just don't love anybody else in here. High Regardo for the last 11, Saraceo for the last nine, Jewel Princess. I'm not sure quite how good she is, but she might just be an okay heading in the right direction right now. Um, we'll see if she even ends up in this race. Beautiful trauma has that big figure when she won by 16, but you win by 16 in the slop, and then we don't see you since. And that was back in December. I have some some concerns about her showing up now, trying to go a mile in a 16th. Resurrection Road, maybe. I mean, I just I don't love anybody in here. To me, it just it really looks like this race is a good spot for positive spirit. She hadn't raced from May of 2019 to July of 2020. She came back in a stakes race that was actually a pretty tough race behind a nice horse named Indian Pride and Blamed is in there also. She was behind horses and she really had nowhere to go. Once she got room, she was flat and she started to back up. She's going to go second off and she's going to stretch back out. She wants to go longer. Seven furlongs isn't her trip anyways. That was a total prep, get a race under her belt, and now she stretches out. This is a great spot for her. She, to me, looks like a very logical, short price, chalky single. I don't love anybody else. I, I tried to find others to use. I'm just singling the four in here, positive spirit, and I'm moving on to race number four, where I'll begin with the three Miss T2. This is another horse who, you know, I, I'm okay with singling. In depending on how you you look at you know how your tickets are built, she she might she might be favorite. You know it just depends. It wouldn't be a shock. I'm you know Ocean Breeze is going to take plenty of money, so you're not going to be singling in this spot if you do an overwhelming favorite. Even if she does end up taking money, they're going to be. There's going to be money spread out in here At least with those two And I do think those two Are in the top tier And I I will use the five along with uh, Three, five, six for me on, on a lot of tickets Let's go to the three, Miss T2 She's shown sprint sp- speed And look at some of the races she's come out of She's behind four graces Sconson, who we'll see later She dares the devil in Byerness So she's faced good, nice animals now she's going to turn back So this is going to be a situation where she can go just as fast as she wants She doesn't have to worry about Rationing out the speed Rating her speed at all It's just back to six furlongs Let's gun it And I, even if she has to be a, a little off the pace in here She'll still have so much fitness cutting back I don't think she'll have a problem Passing horses if she has to be just off The five is the One of the price horses in here that I look to because she's not as bad As her last start was And if you just put a line through that Last start She She just did She started to move behind She started to move into it She was behind horses up the rail And then she just, just Really had nothing left She got a little flat 
it was a strong race she came out of. Those top two have both come back to win. The winner of Monday call, we'll see later on. Very, very talented. Sometimes we have to be forgiving, right? She drew the tipsy gal, drew the rail in a sprint with a horse who wants to come from out of it. She has some legitimate excuses. Just put a line through that July 11th race, then look at her form, and she looks like she was be, she would be right there with the rest of the contenders. Her figures are just a a cut below. That's fine. The six ocean breeze is the other real super logical horse to beat in here. Comes off a runner-up effort behind Monday Call. Behind that, uh, prior to that, was behind Next Out, winning Flat Out Speed, and she's gonna cut back to six furlongs. She should have more punch. She's, you know, probably the one to beat. I prefer Miss T two a little bit more because I think Miss T two should be able to get a kind of a jump on her. And then after those, the next tier for me would be the one in the eight. It would be she can't sing. Who is exiting a race where that July 11th race that we've talked about, the first, second, and fourth place finishers have all come back to win. And she will come running, but six furlongs from the rail, is she going to get shuffled and come back and then have to make a big long move? And, and will she have enough time to get up going six furlongs? That's why I, I throw her in maybe a ticket or two, but she feels more like an underneath. And the eight, Palomita, who's drawn outside of the other speeds, which. Is a big deal for her in, in this spot With the opportunity To maybe sit off and track If have to Drawn towards the outside of the other speeds So it's Three Five Six As my top tier Three as the for sure Horse to horse to play for me And then uh, one and eight as others To include if you're going to go a little bit deeper Let's get to race number five Where I will start With the seven And that is Mej Tom So Her debut I, I really liked She moved through horses on the inside But she moved into a tight spot She got shuffled, she lost a few lengths She angled uh, around, she tried to get into it. it. It's better than it looks on paper. It really is. And she didn't get a big bust out figure for the race at Ellis, so people might dismiss it. They see some other first time starters that they'll probably try to gravitate to. Throw the the seven in on your your pick fives or however you're playing in some of these exotics in race number five. The eight travel column. This damn was a six-time winner Swing it, earned 345000 Was a multiple stakes winners She's produced five siblings or She's produced five foals that are siblings to travel column Four of them winners One of them was Neolithic Multiple grade one placed his Who earned $2.2 million Hitting the board in a couple of really big races The 12 Is Peace Broker and the dam was 0 for 7 But this one's a half to Donna Veloce Who we're going to see in the Kentucky Oaks 2 for 4, 490,000 Graded stakes winner Peace Broker Nice little pedigree to the outside For Brett Calhoun The 3 is Amici Whose dam Was a 4 time winner 
Earned 389000 was grade 1 placed Was multiple stakes pra- placed And won at Churchill Super capable barn first time out And this dam has produced 12 foals They've combined for 1.36 million And 24 victories The 4, Miss Malibu Oh I loved Malibu Pier Her dam Oh she was, she was a, one of my personal favorites she was 6 for 14, she earned 466,000 She was a multiple graded stakes winner And she was grade 1 placed on the dirt She has produced 4 foals to race 3 of them winners, 1 of them won at 2 And 2 of them have earned over 350,000 That's the 4 Miss Malibu The 10 and 11 A couple horses at the outside to mention The 10 Off we go Whose damn was Four for eight, and you know Amos can get horses ready to rock first time out. And then Honorif, Honorific, who was a runner up at Ellis, came out of that with a very nice work over at Keeneland. And in the race at Ellis, it was a a fine start from the outside, was just a couple lengths off, but was fifth, and then made a big three wide bid at the top of the lane. It was a strong second that day. Now cuts back in distance from 7 to 6 With a nice work Another one of these Deep maiden special weight races Where you're looking at I'm 7, 8, 12, 3, 4, 10, 11 That we just talked about But what's nice The way that this this early pick 5 sequence is For me at least There are multiple horses Who I can look at singling I can think about singling in race number one right off the bat With the entry, especially if you get two for one there In race number three I'm fine with singling the number four In fact, on all of my tickets I'm going to be singling Positive Spirit In race number four On another ticket or two I could single the the four Miss T2 So when you have a couple different options in a sequence That you can single It's fine to go very deep and use an all or two If you have to Let's get to race number Six at Churchill Downs And This is one of those in between races Where it's not in a whole lot of the Multi-race exotics which I like to play And honestly the only horse that I look at Is the five Honest Mischief So I'm not going to spend a whole ton of time on the sixth race I do think the five who missed the break Settled fourth was a couple lengths off And honestly that was the difference between winning and losing that day He ends up finishing second Admiral Lynch who won Just got at the jump on him and Honest Mischief moved up into contention Got to about within a length Before flattening out Because uh, Admiral Lynch just had the much easier trip So If you're going to play anything in the 6 Maybe throw the 5 in there But I can't imagine this is Really a race that I end up playing a whole lot Because he's probably going to get bad I don't like a whole lot I don't. There's not a bunch of cool underprices I want to toss in It's just Probably a race I end up skipping we move to race number 7 And this is a race That begins your pick 6 I probably don't play the pick 6 here But I do likely make a win wager On the number 4 More good times So this is a 3 year old filly Who She's never really run a bad race When you look at her form overall she was beaten a couple lengths in her first two starts in big fields at Gulfstream. Came back at Tampa, was actually favored in early March, and she was fourth in a field of 11. Then she comes into the Maker Barn. She runs on July the 10th. It's her first start since March. 
And she hadn't raced in you know four months. She's going a mile in three sixteenths. She ends up getting hooked three deep in a small field. She's third. She three. She's three off, and she ends up tiring at the top of the lane. She comes back at Ellis on August the 9th They turn her back a little bit from a mile and three sixteenths To a mile and sixteenth And she draws the outside She immediately takes back Gets over to save ground She's 10th but she's only 6 or 7 lengths off the pace She moves up onto the heels of a rival There's nowhere to go She takes back She tries to go again a few different times And then gets goes in between And a 6-7 wide move Loses a ton of ground But she just storms home There is ability here With more good times And she is in good hands right now With Mike Maker Who gets these horses to go very very good Going long on the grass I like the four more good times Anything over 5-1 to one, We're going to make a win wager On the number four more good times Let's talk about one of the sponsors of, uh, of That's What G Said OldSmokeClothing.com I know you like horse racing You're listening to the horse racing analysis For Friday for Churchill Downs Now there aren't a ton of places out there Where we can see horse racing t-shirts Swag, polo shirts, hoodies Long sleeves, zip ups, hats With the names of, of horses Of big races, of slogans Where you can have custom designs where else do you get to, to get a bunch of gear So you could show the horse racing fan in you Oldsmokeclothing.com When you use the promo code G-I-N-O Promo code Gino No shipping for you So don't have to worry about the shipping cost Go check out the website If you're a fan of Tis the Law Coming up in the Derby this week Tis the Law t-shirts, trucker hats All sorts of different options Tons of different racetrack names all sorts of things that you and your horse racing friends will all know. Maybe one of your family members, brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, they love the races. Great idea for a gift for them, for a birthday, for a holiday. Oldsmokeclothing.com. Don't forget about that promo code GINO. It'll get you no shipping cost on your order. Now it's time. To get to the stakes races for Friday at Churchill Downs And joining me to dissect them And to really get into races 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 My good friends Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali Enjoy as we get into all of the the races in the pick 5 sequence That late pick 5 at Churchill on Friday And we go through all of the horses in the Kentucky Oaks We each spend a, a few minutes talking about Every single one of those fillies Running in race number 12 Enjoy this one It really goes through a ton of stuff We spent a lot of time And uh, I hope uh, we can lead you to a few winners Big week in the world of horse racing Yeah, the first Friday in September Is the Kentucky Oaks And the first Friday, first Saturday in September Is the Kentucky Derby this year Yeah, I know, weird, but that's pretty much been 2020, we're always going to look look Back at this one and know things Were a little different and Joining me this week to talk about the late Pick 5 on Kentucky Oaks Day Which is a really nice, really nice card As you would imagine on these Oaks and Derby days We've got a bunch of stakes races to talk about A bunch of really, really Well-known horses that we've seen And a couple 
unbelievable Phillies that are going to be locking up in the Kentucky Oaks. It's the boys from the old wrestling rewatch. A couple of my best buds, Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne. You hear them each week when we uh, talk wrestling and we go back in time and, and review the old WWF or WCW pay per views. But but this week we decided to just put a a little little pin. In the wrestling recap for another week Because since we're all big horse racing fans Let's talk some horse racing Let's try to make you some money out there folks Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne Thank you for joining me DZ, just overall thoughts on the Friday card I mean, weird year And maybe the Oaks and the Derby Aren't as deep From, you know, top to bottom As a normal year But I'll tell you, these undercard races And the stakes on both the Friday and Saturday undercards Still look as good as any other Oaks or Derby undercard you would think of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's two monstrous days. It, the way I kind of looked at it, so Friday, I think, has a lot, a lot of the star power in terms of in terms of the undercard, obviously with Monomoy Girl, you know, and, and then you have these two Phillies hooking up in the, in the eighth race. Monday call could be anything. You know, Ford Races is in there. You got Sharing, who, who could be an absolute monster on the turf as well. So I, I think in terms of, like, sheer star power, to me, the undercard on Friday stands out, whereas Saturday looks like it has a bit more in terms of general betting value. So I think that's kind of the contrast between. It's a good way to put cards. it. I agree. Yeah, but but and which is great because as a racing fan and as a better, you get the best of both worlds over two days, and, and you really can't ask for much more than that. And just beating a few of those big names or short prices on a Friday is where you make the money. You know, you, you don't have to right. beat them all. If there are a lot that are going to take money, you beat one or two of them, you get a middle price horse or two, and man, that throws your pick five, you know, up up dramatically. So, Andrew, what are some of your overall thoughts of the Friday card and, and what you've gotten to see of the Saturday card so far? We're recording this early. This is Tuesday night, so we're doing this early on. Yeah, we're uh, we're really doing the whole early bird gets the worm sort of thing here. We're trying to take initiative. It's not the new year yet, but we're trying to be proactive and not reactive. <laughs> next up next is a gym membership for all three of us. We'll see y'all there. Anyway, oh, I got one. I got one already. What are you worried about? <laughs> Stop bragging, Darren. The rest of us don't have lives to worry about here. Anyway, so what happened here is Darren actually took most of my main points. Uh, Friday's card has a lot of star power on it, given some of the races that are involved. I love the eight bells. There are some really fun horses in that race. Sharing comes back in the grade two Edgewood. Got to say, though, there's a little resentment between myself and Sharing because Sharing's dam was the source of one of the worst beats of my handicapping career in the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf many, many, many years ago. We'll get into that in a bit. But, of course, the headliner is the Kentucky Oaks. We've got Gamine. We've got Swiss Skydiver. We've got Speech. We've got Dona Veloce coming in off of a six-month layoff, and there's one other horse in there that's going to be a gigantic price that I think you need to consider. That's called foreshadowing, kids, and I'm really excited about this pick five sequence. I think you can play a good ticket for not a whole heck of a lot of money, and if you get one or two prices home, this is going to pay really, really well. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. It it doesn't feel like some pick fives when you start looking through them, or just any sequences, pick four or whatever you're looking through. It, it you look and you're like, oh, you get a little bit sometimes like, uh, 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 it's demoralizing when you're like, uh, where am I gonna spread out? Where am I gonna shorten up? This is deep, deep. This this feels like races where you can take a stand. You can you can feel confident shortening up in some of the races. Now, does that mean you're going to be right? No, but as a player, it's nice to go into a sequence just feeling a little bit better about it. So, let's jump right into race number 8. 
Get your past performances out We're talking about September the 4th at Churchill Downs Race 8 on Friday It is the grade 2, 8 bells, 7 furlongs the distance And uh, Darren was mentioning A couple of uh, really nice fillies in this one And Andrew talked about how this was a fun race to handicap And I would very much echo those sentiments In uh, It's going to be a big weekend For uh, fantasy horse racing For Team Fight on Gino And one of my top fillies that I really like And I'm a big fan of is Four Graces But I know she's going to have her work cut out for her, Darren Because there is a quality animal To the inside in Monday Call Who has won three in a row And her, her victories, I mean, she's not even really being tested at all, but she draws the rail, which could complicate things a little bit in a race with other speed. So right off the bat, starting with this eight bells, um, you know, who are some of the horses you're looking to, and how do you approach this race? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I hate picking chalk, and uh, you know, I, I I wish I could come up with something creative here, but it's really difficult to come look at this race and not expect either Monday Call or Four Graces to come out of this thing victorious. Uh, in terms of who I like more, I lean to Four Graces strictly because I'm a sheet player, and Four Graces paired up her top last time out, whereas Monday Call kind of just came up with a monster number at a seven and three quarters and might have a chance to regress here a little bit off of that. So I lean towards Four Graces. I like the outside post better. Mm-hmm. She's versatile. She could stalk or go to the front. But, yeah, I mean, I just don't think the other Phillies are fast enough in here. I'm not going to get cute. I'm going to use the two of them moving forward in the pick five. Mark it down, ladies and gentlemen. Tuesday, September 1st, Andrew Champagne, more creative in a multi-race wager than Darren Zocalli. (laughs) This is usually not the case. Usually it's Darren yelling at me for picking too much chalk on Twitter, and it usually never ends well. However, there actually is a mid-price horse in here that I like. And I understand why Darren doesn't necessarily like this horse because this is a horse that has been chasing Monday call and four graces in three of the last four starts. Having said that, Monday call is going to want to go. Never forget's not going to be too far off of it. Perfectly Claire is going to go early. Perfect Happiness is going to go early. Four graces is going to go early. If they go 22 to the quarter, 44 and change to the half, I think to a certain extent, you can throw the numbers out the window because it's going to be a stagger fest turning for home. If that happens, I want a closer on my ticket. And that's number five, Sconson, a horse trained by Greg Foley, who has been training at Churchill Downs since running third in the Audubon Oaks behind Monday call last time out. Look, I don't necessarily think Sconson is as good as Monday call or four graces, but if Sconson gets the setup that I think Sconson is going to get, she's going to be rolling late. Is she good enough to win? I don't know, but she's six to one on the morning line. I think she's going to drift up a little bit off of that. And at that price, I need to have Sconson on my ticket because this seems like the eight to one shot that plays far bigger in a pick five than the win odds would indicate. So for me, the top three here are one, five and seven. I think Monday call is coming into her own. I think this is a horse that is getting better and better since moving to the Brad Cox barn. And I like the fact that two back, she showed she didn't necessarily need the lead Mm -hmm. in order to run well. I think that's huge. And I think if Monday call breaks a little slower, it's not a deal breaker. Four graces is not a bad horse. The outside draw is certainly a plus, but I just think Monday call is better than four graces in here. So if we were going on an AB structure, which is the way I'm going to lay this out, for me, horses one and five would be A's and I'd use seven as a B as sort of a saver. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'll throw Wisconsin in the mix also. And 
for basically every, everything that you said I just feel like Four Graces and Monday Call might be focused on each other a little bit Like if Julian's looking at Monday Call And maybe he tries to move early If he's trying to sit from the outside and go after him they, Then Sconson maybe gets the pace to run at And so I don't want her off the ticket But again, I can completely understand what Darren's doing And, and I might even on one ticket just... Single of four graces Because I play a couple different tickets And maybe I can get a little bit of separation here Where people might have to double up with Monday Call Or even go three deep But Sconson, Monday Call, four graces for me on one ticket Um, And then as far as just a couple horses to mention Under, if you're looking to try to throw one of those Short price horses out underneath uh, Out and then maybe use a, a couple horses underneath To spice things up I would recommend the horses to look at Would maybe be uh, perfectly clear or never forget Never forget might just be able to Kind of fall into a good spot I don't even know if she wants to pass horses I don't really know how good she is But cutting back from a mile If she's just there and horses are stopping She might just be able to keep going that same one pace All the way around And then perfectly clear She's kind of a wild card We really don't know how good she is She beat a horse that came right back to win But that was over at Indy she, This is no doubt a step up And she's going to be dealing with some quality animals So if, you, if you're trying to play maybe a, a, a deck of you know, a cold deck or, or a, a try where you put either a Monday call or a Four Graces on top of some others, those might be some prices I would try to uh, complete. But man, quality fillies in here. I mean, we, we're going to see some really, really nice ladies on this uh, Friday card. And, and they start out here in the Eight Bells with those two. So um, a good way to kick off that pick five as we move on to the Edgewood. And this is a mile in the turf course. These are Phillies three year olds, DZ. The conversation in this race has to begin with sharing. Grade 1 winner, Breeders' Cup Turf winner She has never been worse than 3rd Her 2 defeats were when she was Beaten a neck in her debut And then she when she was 2nd uh, against Group 1 Company Over at Royal Ascot And she won at Churchill Downs Over this track when she prepped for Ascot It's another situation where We don't like using favorites We're always trying to find a reason Not to She doesn't necessarily just tower Over the field on pure numbers but she is a, she does look to be a standout and you have to at least start the conversation with her you do have to start the conversation with her um you know obviously everything that she's done has been sensational uh her, her win coming back her first start of the year where we've seen some of these two-year-old fillies especially on the grass in their first start not necessarily fire their best shot at first asking but Graham certainly had her ready to go she finished second to alpine star who uh, actually took on the boys in her next start mm-hmm. over in France and really ran well there. So that race has already come back good. Um, if you're a numbers guy, though, there is some room for doubt because mm-hmm. she's not that much faster on paper than the rest of these films. It almost reminds me where we would, like, uh, when you would see Decorated Invader in some of the turf races, you know, yeah. and his figures just don't tower over. Where you would you would look at a horse that's going to be a heavy favorite and see some of those same figures like you might see with the Monday call in the race before, like we saw, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I, yeah, I agree that that's where you look into and, it and say, yeah. So with a filly like this in this spot, eventually, well, listen, there's no knock against her, but eventually she's going to run into a filly that's going to step up with a monster race, and and maybe this is that spot. Now the problem that I have is. Okay, well, if you take that angle, who do you like? And I'll be honest with you. There's nobody in here that jumps off the pages at me as the logical, uh, the logical counter option to the favorite. Uh, I mean, Sharing ran a nine on the Ragazin two starts back 
uh, walk in Marrakesh ran a nine on the Ragazins in her last start. Everything else from every other filly, including those two, is pretty much a 12, 13, or 14. I have no strong opinion here. I think Sharon can get upset. So I'm going to do something here that I hardly ever, ever do. And it's because of how my ticket is structured later on. I'm going to buy this race and hit the all button and hope something crazy happens. I can totally see that happening. I'm this is I'm going to be doing very similar, and I might even be doing just sort of like you said, the way my ticket will shape up depending. I might be willing to throw sharing out and go all but sharing. You know how how I am later because I don't want to necessarily have a ticket that's just going to be chalk 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 all the way through. But if I'm if I'm singling on one ticket, maybe a more pricey horse, then then I'm similar because Andrew, I'm going through this race and I, I'm making cases. For some speed within good spirits from the inside I think with the rail they're going to have to go I really like what Hendy Woods has done I think she's a nice up and comer I think she has a legitimate excuse for the two back race At Churchill, a race she probably needed And had some trouble that day Lucky Betty came on the grass for the first time She won, she had some decent races at Oakland Prior to that, Walkin' Marrakesh She might be a horse who doesn't like to win But she's going to be right there I mean she wasn't far back And she had legitimate trouble against uh, against Sharing, so I don't know, Andrew, do you see this race more as Darren and I as a spread, or do you think this is just all about sharing and move on? Well, there's one variable that we need to talk about, and unfortunately, it's the variable that has made the last several Kentucky Derby days living nightmares. That, of course, is the weather. Now, it's supposed to be very nice on Friday, very nice on Saturday. I am moving forward with the assumption that the dirt course will be good or fast. However... It is supposed to pour on Wednesday and Thursday in Louisville. So I am operating under the assumption that there's going to be some cut in the ground on the turf course. It might not be a fully soft course, but we might get yielding. We might be on the softer side of good. My guess is there's going to be some moisture in the track. That's how I've handicapped. If it turns out that the weather gods are smiling upon Kentucky, I'll adjust my handicapping accordingly. But I need to say that because... First of all, I'm not a huge fan of the race that Hendy Woods comes out of. A number of these runners come out of that same race at Indiana Grand. I love Indiana Grand's racing product. It's fantastic, but this just seems like a big class jump for these horses. Sharing's a different kind of animal. She is my top pick. The concern that I would have with Sharing is she comes back not super quick off of the race at Royal Ascot, but little more than two months was on the work tab again less than a month after coming back. Now, this could be interpreted as she came back really, really well. She shipped there. She shipped back. She didn't lose anything. She's back on the work tab. That's great. Also, though, this is a grade two. This might not necessarily be the end goal for Mm -hmm. Graham Motion and Company because, remember, the Queen Elizabeth II is coming up at Keeneland in October. Great point. That's a grade one. So, I think Sharing should win this race. I thought her race at Ascot was very, very good. You run second in a group one at Royal Ascot. Chances are you've run very, very well. And you know what? She, it was a weird trip, too. Like, she she was, she was broke really well, and then she took back, and she didn't look like she was traveling well. It just Her class just kind of even got her up to finish second. She's just really hard to knock. Well, yeah. The only knock seriously that I have on that horse, and I mentioned it right up the, at the top of the show, is shared accounters are damn. And every time <laughs> I see sharing in the past performances, I cringe <laughs> because college-aged Andrew had midday and Kirtana in an exacta box in the 2010 Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf. After we're done here, guys, 
Go watch that race on YouTube. Pause it at the top of the stretch. Midday is the favorite. Kirtana is an absurd price. I think about 40 to 1. Kirtana looks like she's going to win. Midday looks like she's going to win or run second. There's one problem. Shared account forgets to stop. Shared account was 46 to 1 under the lights at Churchill Downs that night. That one hurt. So sharing is paying for the sins of the mother in this case. (laughs) And I just needed to tell that story because we're all horse players. Every one of us has that horse that when it shows up in the pedigree of some horse that's running now, (laughs) you you cringe and you recoil. Every horse player can relate to that. And now, Andrew, was that, was it a total, was it a total bog on the turf? Yeah. Yeah, it was. was. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Trust me. I it's remember out a of lot the bog. about that race. Yeah, it is yeah. out of the cloud. Yeah, that that was one I got got I got with uh with win I got with win win the win the other day. I had complexity, really liked complexity. Brutal. And it was like the way the race two shaped up. You get the jump, you open up, nobody else is moving on a track like that. This horse isn't even on the screen. It just comes and gets you. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> what are you gonna do now? This gonna, actually yeah, this ahead. actually ties in to the other horse I'm gonna use in the pick five. And that's number eight walk in Marrakesh, who started out in Great Britain as a two-year-old last year and ran pretty well over soft and yielding going a season ago, was third in a group two over at DeVille, and then came to Woodbine and was second beaten a nose in the grade one Natama over yielding going. Walk in Marrakesh, yeah, she probably should have won last time in the Appalachian, but maybe she's just better on turf that has some give in it. She's been running over some very firm turf courses in her runs earlier this year. She's six to one on the morning line. If it rains, walk in Marrakesh moves way up. I've got to have her on the ticket. To me, it's two deep, three eight. Sharing should win, but I agree with Darren. I don't necessarily think she's a lock. Yeah, walk in Marrakesh. I'll be using. See, with with her, she's interesting because. You know, you you look at her races overall, and you can kind of and you say, okay, well, she hasn't won now, and since she's been coming over to North America, but but when you break them, so so we can get, we can easily look at her and say maybe she's the type of horse who doesn't mind settling for minor awards. But when you really break the races down individually, you see that she does have some legitimate excuses, and she really has run well in all of them. When you go through it, you mentioned she was just beating a nose in the Natalma, which is a wicked beat. Then she comes off the bench. She doesn't run from September to March. She comes back. She's beaten, just beaten again behind Outburst, trying to come from and come and get Outburst. She comes back. She has legitimate trouble at Gulfstream Park, and then legitimate trouble again when she she's standing on the rail when Sharing's making her move in the tap-in. She's in, a perp, in that great spot on the rail, and then she just has nowhere to go. She tries to duck inside. It's really tight. She can't get in. And then last time out, she's fourth. She's in the two path. She looms up. She moves right by the top two. Alms battles back on the inside. And I think that's what hurt her. Alms battling back a little bit. Took a little bit late out of walk in Marrakesh. And then all of a sudden, Enola Gay, who, who looked like she was just going to finish a decent third, about 100 yards for home, just hits this next switch and kicks in. So when you look at the races individually... You can say legitimate excuses for each one. If she has another one or two where she runs second or gets in trouble again, 
Then I might be done with her But I'm still not quite done with her yet So I, I, I think we all agree that she's Probably a use because it feels like Darren's going to go spread You're using just those two I'm definitely using her I'm definitely throwing in Hendy Woods Because I think there's a little bit more to her And I excuse the regret in a spot that's similar to this Because I think she needed the race She drew a tough post and I think she'll be a little bit better down there And yeah if you're looking for maybe a bust out long shot To throw in Lucky Betty I, She's got ability She just she has a, a clunker or two in there And that may have thrown some people off And, and I think she's got a little upside too So yeah and the, again a big star A short price but a fun race Where we all feel like you can go elsewhere In race number 9 second leg of that pick 5 Sequence Up next it's the Ali Sheba I thought this was a, a real interesting group too in here. We've got sort of the 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 next tier of the of the top older horses. They might not be your top, you know, few, but McKinsey coming into the year, many would have thought he was on that very, very short list. Owendale has some big races where he shows he's just as good. Mr. Freeze is another one. I mean, after his Gulfstream Park mile, he looked like he was one of the top older horses. My My Standards has been very, very consistent. Maybe one of the most consistent horses all throughout the year. Just talking about the, them in general. I mean, even a horse like Silver Dust, after his fairgrounds races at the beginning of the year, he looked like he was going to be a solid older horse in the division. And he hasn't been quite as good, but he still hasn't been bad. This is a decent race here with uh, some quality horses who just may not have quite lived up to their their expectations for this year, but they all land in this spot, Darren. And McKenzie was super impressive winning this race last year, but he I don't know, he feels like he's not he's lost a little bit of a step. Yeah, I mean, McKenzie's he, I I really never guess right on him to be honest <laughs> with you. But when I think he's going to run big, he's not. And when, and when I when I'm against him, he runs you know, he runs one of his better races. I mean, look, he could absolutely win the race, and, and I'll use him defensively in some spots. But uh, there's a couple of price horses in here that, that I'm going to use quite a bit. One of them you mentioned uh, from the rail, and, that, and that's Silver Dust. Uh, look, you know, I know as he's gotten away from the fairgrounds, he hasn't been as good. Um, but from a speed figure standpoint, he actually has been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's been He's been as good on the buyer scale. And his last two races on the Ragazins are actually paired up sixes, which uh, are, are two of his fastest races that, that he's ever run. In fact, but by far the two fastest races that he's run this year. So I'm not going to give up on him just yet. I'm just going to say two starts back. He pushed an aggressive pace, very fast pace, the race that Owendale came from nowhere to win. And last time, obviously, Tom Zeta uh, just ran a monster race, and he just kind of clunked along to be third. I think both those races are better than than people think they are. Fifteen to one is a is a huge price. Uh, I don't love the jockey because he did not give my filly a very nice rotted L. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll shy away from that from betting standpoint. Um, the other horse that I like at a price is Mister Freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, last time in the in the Met Mile, look, I never really hold Met Miles against horses because it is an extremely difficult race to excel at. It's uh, just different. Over- it is. It's a different race. It's a very fast one-turn mile, and you typically run into either a freak or a specialist at that distance. And Mr. Freeze probably is neither of those things. However, his Oakland handicap was very good. Obviously, his Gulfstream Park mile was sensational. He has speed figures that are certainly fast enough to, to hit the ticket here uh, at a price. I like how Manny Franco uh, you know, fits this horse. And at 6-1 in the morning line, I think those two price plays 
uh, stand out from a standpoint of value. I'm certainly using by my standards and McKenzie defensively, but I won't have them paired up with a lot of other favorites in the sequence. I'm hoping to get either Silver Dust or Mr. Freeze to the winner's circle here. Nice. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Mr. Freeze is my top selection. Also, I, I'm right there with you. I think the last couple races he's got just the put a line right through the mat, and in the Oakland race, he he ran pretty well. He actually. It was weird because he broke very well. He was looked like he was going to be sitting in a perfect spot, and then he took back a little bit, a couple lengths, and that was just the difference between winning and losing. Because by my standards, ended up sitting a little closer than him. So I think just a, a different journey, a little bit more aggressive, a little more heady of a ride that'll put him right there. And I, I hope you're right on Silver Dust. I'm going to use him in some. He could probably just sit second if they send Bodie from the outside, or even if Silver Dust goes. I think he's either on the lead or sitting maybe second, saving all the ground from behind and. And he'll give you a good run for your money at a nice price, Andrew. Who uh, who are we leaning at and looking towards in the Ali Sheba? Well, Darren and I are approaching this in similar ways in that we're using by my standards and McKinsey defensively. Now, if the McKinsey that won this race last year shows up, everyone's running for second money. Yep. The problem is, it sure seems like they've called a lot of audibles with this horse ever since the dud in the Met Mile. Now. To be fair, that was a track that was playing very kindly to early speed that day. Other rivals got the jump, and he just sort of ran in place. Only being beaten two lengths by Vacoma going a flat mile, not the worst thing in the world. But you have to think the trip to Saudi Arabia took something out of that horse. Sure looks was, like it, right? He was just okay winning the triple bend, a grade two race with a grade three kind of field. They ship him to the Met Mile. I liked him that day. I was really hoping he moved forward because, in my opinion, he ran a winning race in last year's Met Mile mm-hmm. when he hit a bird turning for home, had some traffic trouble, and ran into Matoli to boot. I thought he deserved to win that day and that he'd make up for it in the 4th of July. Not so much. I'll use him defensively. I'll use by my standards defensively as well. I just don't necessarily think he's a grade one type horse. I think he's a horse that cleans up in grade two, grade three level races. And this is the kind of race that you have to think, okay, these are his friends. He should run well. He should win. He's going to be a really short price though. So I can't endorse him too heavily. I'll use one horse you mentioned, Gino, and that's number three, Owendale. Owendale Mm -hmm. has shown he needs a pace meltdown. And it's very simple if you look at his running line. Last time out in the Stephen Foster, no meltdown, ran fifth. Two back in the blame, gets a meltdown, wins. Three back in the Clark, gets a fairly hot pace, runs second behind Tom's Data. Breeders' Cup Classic, no meltdown, nope. Wins the Oklahoma Derby five back. Just If you look at him, mm-hmm. the faster they go early, the better his chances figure to be. I think they're going to go pretty fast early. I have to use them. I'm also going to throw in the first of two ridiculous prices that I have on my pick five ticket here. Why can't title ready run well in here? Uh, second off the layoff for Dallas Stewart last sure. time out. This horse was 10 lengths back going a mile and a 16th at Keeneland. That's a short stretch configuration that is usually not friendly to closers. If you hit the top of the stretch in front, going that short stretch right of ground, you usually win. And they weren't necessarily flying early. They were going 46-2 and two the first half. So it was a solid pace, but it's not like it was suicidal up front. First start in a year for a new trainer. The horse rallies from way, way, way back, wins by a head, 
and I got to tell you, I love the recent workout. Five furlongs and 58 and three. This is another horse that is going to move forward with a very fast pace. And I think he gets it here. 20 to one seems like way too big a price on this horse, especially with Corey Landry riding back. Very few jockeys ride this Churchill Downs track better than Corey Landry. Needs to be on my tickets. And if this one comes flying late and shakes things up at a big price, I'm going to be pretty happy, guys. Yeah. Yeah. You, you actually ran good. He actually ran a seven on the. He ran a seven on the Ragazins in his first start back off the long layoff, and he had a pair of fives last year. So he has races fast enough to put him right there, and that workout certainly does jump off the page. And uh, yeah, I actually have him on like the on like the bottom of some tickets, mm-hmm. and using him defensively a bit and pick fives as well. Uh, he might be. Able, I can't believe he'll be twenty to one because the horse hasn't been more than eight to one in like his last twelve starts. But this is a test for class. But I agree with Andrew. He's a horse you got to take at least a couple of looks at. Yeah, and for me, my approach in this race, I'm I'm just throwing McKinsey out. I, I like McKinsey a lot. I've used him plenty of times, and I, I completely agree with what most of what, what we said. I just think other horses are doing better right now, and this is a a, a fun spot to take some other swings. And I'm going to be using by my standards because I think he's legitimate. So I have Mister Freeze. I've got by my standards. I've got Owen Dale for many of the reasons Andrew mentioned, and I have and I have Silver Dust. And then my my horse right behind them with the question marks was Title Ready. And now with a little bit of the the push from Andrew and the fact that Darren says on on you know other figures and numbers he stands out, then he's absolutely a horse I'm going to flop in on my ticket, especially if my approach is throwing McKenzie out. And, and you know because it's going to be McKinsey And by my standards that take a lot of money in here I don't want to have necessarily just the both Of them I think as just two I'd rather Have one and some other options for prices So yeah I'll, I'll probably play some tickets With I think those combinations of, of Those five horses uh, for me Five six on top five six three and One and then throwing in some and title ready In a, a fun renewal of the Ali Sheba what's cool is that we We know a lot of these horses too like we know McKenzie, he's been around for a while. By my standards, now has come back and has has had a good year. We know Owendale a little bit now. Silver Dust has been around for a while. Even Bodie Express has uh is is very well known for his antics. So um, we get to see see a lot of these middle just just a cut below the better the best of the older horses in this solid renewing of the Grade Two Ali Sheba. Moving on to race number eleven, we're on to the second part of this pick five now. And it begins with the grade one La Troyenne And just from a, a discussion Beginning standpoint Darren we, we start with Monomoy Girl in here The five year old mare Who she's run 13 times She's won 11 of them She's actually crossed the wire 12 of them One of those times she got DQ'd She probably d- deserved to be DQ'd But it was still one of those ones That could have gone either way And then her other defeat She was beaten by a neck I mean, she's legitimately close to being perfect. She hadn't raced from November of 2018 to May of 2020. She came back and she beat a group that she was much better than, but that's still a, a very difficult thing to come off that long of a layoff. You never know, especially with a mare like this. They get a little older, they go one way or the other. Some want to keep running, and others just they don't they don't care anymore. And she just is. She's awesome. She came back and she won again. She's great. She's a really cool story. So again, another one of these these big name favorites that, no matter how you're playing this race, you're, you're at least gonna. She she's the one that you have to say, I'm playing or I'm playing against. I'm playing against. Nice. Um. And and, and this comes down to one thing. Uh, I'm taking a stand with Vic, with Vexatious. Nice. Uh, I I I think that this is the now mayor. 
I think that she's come into her own the last couple of starts. Um, ran a really good second behind Monomoy Girl, going the one-turn mile at Belmont. Stretched out to the mile and eighth in the personal ends and was in a dogfight with Midnight Bisu and beat her. Uh, I think she wants to go longer, so I think that she's better than that one-mile race uh, against Monomoy Girl two starts back suggests. She's paired up fives, best races of her career on the Ragazins in the last two. Uh, Monomoy Girl also ran a five in her last, but that was after running a nine in her first start back. So unless she pairs that up, certainly could regress a little bit off that number, which was also a lifetime best, opposed to Vexatious, who paired up the number. So, uh, and on top of that, you take a look at the pace scenario here. Uh, I think Lady Kate goes. I think Monomoy Girl probably sits off her. And I think Vexatious just sits right there in the pocket behind the two speeds, swings out three wide in the stretch, and then it's a, it's a dogfight between the two of them in the lane. Uh, I just think that she's coming to her own. And I think this is the time to jump on the bandwagon before she's, you know, four to five in her next start. So for me, it's a single vexatious or bust for me in the pick. Nice. A strong single here. I like this mayor um, last year. I had her when she was sort of just picking up pieces. I had her in a fantasy league and, and I think even even back to back years I did, because she was always one of those that would show up. She's kind of grindy, but they've just, it's like the light bulb has gone on because she's been able to show more speed and you know she's going to stay. So when she's up there close and she's not far away, you feel really good that she's not going to back up and that she's going to be able to pass some horses or at least hold her position where she is. Vexatious is fun and very cool for Jack Sisterson. They um uh, Jack Sisterson who used to work with Doug O'Neill, they actually um, he bred the or he and his dad. I don't know if it was bred or just got initially the horse that they ended up naming Fight on Gino. So uh, that was really cool. I, when I was when I was sick, um, I remember meeting Jack and taking pictures with Fight on Gino, who who they had had. So I'm um, always rooting for Jack. This would be a, a massive spot for him to get a big victory. AC La Troyenne Monomoy Girl. Uh, do you have a strong opinion for or against like DZ does? I liked Vexatious and the personal ensign last time out as an underneath horse underneath Midnight Bisu at a big price. Jose Lescano gave Vexatious the ride of his life in that race, complete with at the end of it steering Vexatious out a little bit so that she could take a look at Midnight Bisu and fight back. That was a world-class ride. We give riders a lot of crap when we think they get it wrong. That means we have to give them credit when they get it right. That was a fantastic ride. This is relevant because Jose Lascano isn't riding vexatious here. Tyler Gaffleone is, and no disrespect to Tyler Gaffleone, he's a very good rider. That's a curious thing here. And also, Monomoy Girl is Monomoy Girl. I understand wanting to take a stand against Monomoy Girl, because if you take a stand against Monomoy Girl and you're right, you're going to be live for significant money heading into the Kentucky Oaks. Darren, I respect you for taking that stand. I disagree with you. I think Monomoy Girl is absolutely the horse to beat. Not exactly an easy horse to train or so it seems. She's had her issues. That's why she was off for 18 months. And she was also off a couple weeks after the ruffian. If you look, she raced on July 11th. They gave her off until August the 2nd before her first published work back. So I needed to see a string of consistent, sharp works. She's got that, especially if you look starting August 15th, when it certainly looks like they turned it up on her five furlongs in a minute and one, then six furlongs in one thirteen. If Monomoy girl is right, 
I think everyone else is running for second money. The one thing I will say, though, is watch how the main track is playing earlier on in the card. If early speed is holding, another horse Darren mentioned, number seven, Lady Kate, is going to be an attractive long shot to throw in underneath. 15 to one on the morning line. Look, maybe this horse is just a one-turn horse trying two turns against better horses, in which case she's going to finish sixth, beating about 30 lengths. Having said that, Churchill Downs on big days tends to be very kind to speed. And if Lady Kate gets the kind of trip where she goes 23 and change to the quarter, 47 to the half, she might have enough left late to hold on for second or third at a really big price. But from a pick five standpoint, I'm singling Monomoy Girl and moving on. It's funny. I'm, I have a, an approach. This is why I love when we have discussions with multiple people and not just two. It's always nice to have three or four because you get different approaches that everybody has. And, and it seems like in most of the races we've had, you know, the, between the three of us, they're sort of different, but you can see where everybody's going. And this one's funny too because I'm right in the middle of the both of you. <laughs> I don't. I don't love Monomoy Girl, but I don't think she's a a, to, a toss, you know. So I'm actually going to be using her. I'm going to be using Vexatious. I'm a, I'm even going to throw in the one horse who is a super strange horse, and that she's a Julie. I was going to ask about that because she's if so she weird. Shows up, if she shows up, she probably runs second. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't show up, it's not pretty. No, and, and she's got the form where she just throws in a clunker and then she comes back with a really good one. And I, I, I heard the connect or I read that in in an article the connection say they have no idea what happened last out, which I always think is kind of funny. It's like, we don't know. She just didn't run and he said some horses just don't like Monmouth. And that was that. He said she's training well, she's looking good. You know, if she's five to one ish, if she's like the fourth choice in this race. She likes Churchill. She has no problem with the trip. And she's kind of versatile. She has some speed, but she can grind and pass horses if she has to. So if, yeah, if Monomoy Girl or Vexatious don't jump up with big races, I think she's Julie can, can get in the mix. Um, and then if we're looking for maybe some underneath horses as prices to complete some of the exotics, I do think Saracosa is is running well right now. And is in nice form. She's not. She doesn't feel that far behind. I mean, she look. She was behind Dunbar Road. She's not completely disgraced against CC Serengeti Empress, who are good when they're at their best, and they're capable of really, really good. She was three deep into the turn in a small field. She was hooked wide all the way around. She was four wide at the top of the lane. She was a clear cut second in the Delaware handicap. I think she can absolutely pick up some pieces here and uh, and complete your try and maybe you flop her in on a, on one ticket where you're really trying to get a little crazy. Um, yeah, so so different horses to look at. Just a weird one, and she's a Julie who I want to I want to flop in at least. Um, I think on one, but yeah, I mean, you know, by by the way, just just to be clear, I, I don't want to say that I think that Monomoy Girl was a toss. No, no, yeah, it's my, just my, single my against. View, That's yeah, the ticket my, structure. My view, yeah, my, my view of it is is simply a mathematical one. Whereas I think Vexatious Vexatious's chances to win will not be reflected as as they should in in the multi race exotics. Meaning, hundred percent agree. I, I think the value of her winning this race will be far greater in terms of connecting on a pick four or a pick five than it will, let's say, in the win pool. And and that that I think is something. That, that is worth trying to take advantage of. If Monomoy Girl wins, so be it. But I think Vexatious, her value is exponentially more in this spot than it should be given this this type of betting sequence. Yeah, and when you're looking at a sequence that, okay, in the eight bells, 
Monday call and four graces are could be tough. And then in the Edgewood sharing, you know, could be really tough. You're you gotta take a stand somewhere, right? In in the Ali Sheba, if you get a McKinsey or a by my standards home, and then you go head into this race and you've got just Monomoy Girl on your ticket, like you, you have to pick and choose one or two of these races where you're gonna say, Okay, you know what? I respect sharing, I respect Monomoy Girl, I respect Monday, whoever it is, but one of them I gotta play against. Because you, if you just set your ticket up that way You're not going to make a whole ton of money It's just not the way to, to really structure a ticket It doesn't make a whole lot of sense So I, I love what you're doing here It's not not a disrespect for Monomoy Girl It's just, hey, you might be catching a peaking horse At the right time Whereas people know Monomoy Girl more as a, a name horse And that separation Is going to be more like you know, 5, 10, 15 times In those exotic pools Absolutely, and that's why I said even though it's not the approach that I'm going, mm-hmm. I respect the heck out of Darren for doing that because mm-hmm. if you step out and you hit one of those singles, that's how you have a life-changing score. It doesn't necessarily take 50 to 1 in every race. Nope. You don't need that. What you need is beat the favorites with middle-priced horses that are overvalued in these multi-race wagers. That's the key here because in a pool this size, anytime a favorite goes down, those payoffs are going to shoot way, way, way up. Let's close things out in the Kentucky Oaks. So how about this? It's it's just a field of nine. We've got three 50-to-one shots on the morning line out of the nine, <laughs> which you just don't see in, in this you know, day of age of racing anymore because people love playing long shots, so they always bet $2 to win on the longest shots in the field. We don't even really see that in the in the derby anymore, but we, we might this year. It might be a little bit different with the way the the horses in the field are and, and, and how legitimate contenders they are Many of them um, Okay, DZ, the Oaks like, Let's just kind of go inside out It's only a field of nine So we can give some thoughts on uh, on everyone and, 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 you know, some quick hits on each one So we'll go around in a circle I'll start with Squiz Skydiver And then you can go DZ And then Andrew, you give some thoughts after For me, she's just such a monster I, I just want to mention Win or lose, no matter what I love a filly like this That has run Straight from November on With zero breaks And look at the way she where she's been Churchill Downs to Tampa To Fairgrounds to Gulfstream To Oaklawn to Santa Anita to Keeneland To Saratoga From seven furlongs to a mile and a sixteenth To a mile and an eighth to a mile and a quarter I mean that is damn impressive She played she raced against the boys And finished second behind Art Collector Who came back to win And unfortunately Art Collector won't be in the derby He would have been your I at least third choice, probably your second choice in the Derby. If he was in there, she's awesome, and she can sit if she has to, but she's pretty quick, and she's be, become more of a, a right on the lead or, or pressing type. And I mean, Darren, when we look at this race from a tactical standpoint, I, I think a lot of it's we're going to find out very early what happens with with Swiss Skydiver and with Gamin and what the plans are with these two. Who goes? Who sits? Are they going to be battling? Does one take off? And try to let the other go That That's what's going to be fascinating to me Early on No question and and we'll get to We'll get to the pace scenario and how I think that's Going to actually impact how I view This race from a handicapping standpoint After we go through it but but Swiss Skydiver Nothing but respect for her I could not believe the Disrespect that she was getting on Twitter Going into the Alabama Where people were trying to beat her Off of the bluegrass second to art Collector who had already come back and look like, you know, a good thing winning again at Ellis, trying to take this mile and a quarter approach and saying that this was going to beat her. 
And then at the end of the race, a lot of people were saying, yeah, she won. But look how gassed she was. Well, number one, I don't know how gassed she was. She was geared down. Was she switching leads? Yeah. But you tend to see that happen when a horse is in front by six lengths and they're being geared down. Uh, number two, it was at the end of a mile and a quarter race. She's never going to have to probably run that far again. So who cares if she was tired at the end of a mile and a quarter race? Um, tons of ability. Speed figures on the on the incline. Her, her best ragazin number was in the fantasy. She came back and paired that up in the Alabama. Uh, she ran credibly against the boys in the bluegrass. She did take advantage of a what I probably a double bias of, of rail and speed in the Santa Anita Oaks, but nothing but respect for her. Uh, for me, you know, the fact that she's second choice in this race almost seems crazy. But uh, that being said, you know, can she win this race? Of course she can. And in my opinion, you could probably even say she's the most likely winner. Swiss Skydiver made a believer out of me in the bluegrass. Earlier in the year, way back in the grade two Gulfstream Park Oaks, she sat the most perfect trip in the history of perfect trips. I remember this because I needed Lake Avenue really badly that day. And the jockey of Lake Avenue inexplicably rated the horse. Mm -hmm. She didn't look like she was going to be anywhere near the lead on paper. It looked like there were, I think, Spice is Nice, Lucrezia, um, Lake Avenue, Tonal is Shape. They were all in that race, and they had all shown more speed than she had been showing recently. So Paco Lopez, the speed rider that he is, puts Swiss Skydiver on the lead. You get to the half in 49 with Paco up, the race is over. Okay, whatever. Goes to Oaklawn, runs in the fantasy. Looked pretty good that day. I've never really been all that sold on Venetian Harbor. So I was 16 to one that day. Nobody believed in her that day either. No. And I admittedly was not a big believer in Swiss skydiver at that point either. She goes to Santa Anita to run in the Santa Anita Oaks grade two against three other horses. Nice work. If you can get it right. Wasn't a believer in the bluegrass loved art collector. One of the biggest win bets of my life was on art collector in that race. Loved that horse. Swiss Skydiver ran a hell of a race that day. You go that fast early. She was going 46 and three to the half, 110 and three for six furlongs. That's legit racehorse time. And when Art Collector ranged up at the top of the stretch, Swiss Skydiver fought back. She didn't roll over. She tried. Art Collector just had a brilliant trip that day and pulled away late. Swiss Skydiver beat the third place finisher, Rushy, another decent horse, by almost five lengths. That's a heck of a race that horse ran. Comes back in the Alabama. Mile and a quarter. Horse is not necessarily bred to get a mile and a quarter. By Daredevil. Out of a Johannesburg mare. You don't necessarily expect a horse to get a mile and a quarter. That was really impressive. 102 buyer speed figure. Could have been a couple points faster than that if she had to be. She didn't. Swiss Skydiver is going to be very tough to beat. I like that she has tactical speed, but does not necessarily need the lead in order to run well. She may well get it, or at the very least, make Gamine work very hard to get it, but she's not going to necessarily be thrown off if she's sitting second or third early. Big, big chance on the rail for trainer Ken McPeak, who pulled off a really cool prank earlier in the week when he sent Swiss Skydiver out to jog in the Kentucky Derby saddlecloth and made everybody go, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if she was in the Derby, she was probably the third third choice. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially after Art Collector coming out, maybe right there with like probably after Honor AP, probably then like right there with Authentic, I'd imagine. So, yeah, she's awesome. Um, let's get the tempers rising. She's a bomb. She earlier in the year at Fairgrounds, she seemed like one of these Dallas Stewart types that was going to start to peak and maybe would be a horse that she could play in the Kentucky Oaks as a bomb underneath to pick things up. She just she has no speed at all, Darren. And in situations like this, sometimes, yeah, it might work out great. They're, they're, they might go quick early, but other situations, horses like this just get outrun. I'm not sure which one is going to be the case for her. She was mid pack last time out. She was wide all the way. She was four wide at the top of the lane. She showed some late energy to get up for second. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be completely shocked if she finished third or fourth in here at a massive price. I just don't. I can't envision a, a, a race that, that she wins this. Yeah, I mean, you know, a few of the other fillies have to no show, you know, to get her on the ticket, which which is entirely possible. Mm-hmm. And, we, sure. and we could talk about as we go through those fillies, you know, how that could how that could happen. We've seen Dallas Stewart run second in the Kentucky Derby with monstrous prices a couple of times. Um, maybe he'll do it here in the Oaks. Who knows? But she needs to improve substantially from a speed figure standpoint, both Ragazins and, and from a buyer standpoint. Um, yeah, she ran back to a better race last time at Ellis, but that was a, you know, that was a $25,000 yeah. A of the van. She only earned a 78 by her speed figure. Uh, it was on a muddy track. She was a beaten favorite that day by Jeweled Princess. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, respect Leperu, respect Stewart. She's going to need quite a few to no show and 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 a lot of these things to fall apart to get a piece of it gentlemen you remember when i said i had a second crazy horse on my ticket nice this is the second crazy horse i I could see like i said i could see there's a world where where this one is in in the mix for sure like the race has got to fall apart we they got to go quick early but she it's only a small field there are three or four other horses that i don't I, I would actually probably prefer Tempers Rising over. So, yeah, Andrew, sell us a little bit more. Okay. Pete Aiello asked a really good question on Twitter earlier today, and I'm going to pose this to you guys. What's the over-under for the first half mile of this race? 46. Gino? That's that's very fair. Yeah, I would say, I'd say maybe slightly over, slightly, but not much. Yeah. If they go 45 and change, I think Tempers Rising has a chance. Swiss Skydiver wants to be close. Doesn't necessarily need the lead. Wants to be close. Dona Veloce, sprinter speed, will likely go. Speech wants to be close. Gamine, we know she's going to be forwardly placed. She dares the devil. Ken Rate has some tactical speed. Hopeful Growth has some tactical speed. I think they're going to go early. And if they go early to the point where they're going... 22 and change for the quarter, 45 and three to the half. I think Tempers Rising has a really good chance to be moving forward when everyone else is moving backward. Now, this is pretty similar to the other Dallas Stewart trainee I have on my ticket. Is this horse good enough to win? I don't know. Yeah. She certainly, and I'm going to say this, she certainly needs everything in the world to go right and she needs to run a career best race. Mm-hmm. But looking at the fairgrounds races, in January, she was third beaten in neck by Finite, back when Finite was going really, really well. She was fourth in the Rachel Alexandra, had a really troubled trip that day, comes back and runs a pretty good second in the fairgrounds Oaks behind a horse named Bonnie South, 
who just finished second in the Alabama behind Swiss Skydiver. Darren, you mentioned the mathematical equation here with Vexatious in the previous race and how it pays to include those horses on your ticket. Do I think Tempers Rising has a 2% chance out of 100 to win this race? I think there are probably six or seven times out of 100 that they run this race, they go ridiculously fast early on, and Tempers Rising beneath Julian Leperu is moving forward late and has a big chance to win it with an eighth of a mile to go. I need to use this horse, especially at the likely price. If this horse gets home, that, I'm going to say, knocks out a lot yeah. of tickets. Yeah. I mean, yeah, what's, what's, the way you look at this, if you like Tempers Rising, and if you're envisioning the race shaping up in just, just like you said, in a couple small versions where you get a Swiss Skydiver, Donna Veloce, Speech, Gamine, um, She Dares the Devil, Hopeful Growth, all up a little too close to the pace, all trying to go quick or press, and they all end up, you know, becoming a nuisance to each other. Now you're looking at a race where it's Tempers Rising, Byerness, and Dream Marie. I, you know, you have to break it down that way. Again, for a horse that's 50 to 1, I would never talk you off that one. And I love the case that you built for Tempers Rising there. As we move to total intriguing wild card in this race, uh, Darren, with Donna Veloce, who she is a very talented Philly. And if she had one race under her belt before here, I would think she's a real intriguing prospect. This just feels like a really, really tough task for her Not having raced since March and, and, and even more than that She had three months of a break prior to that We know how talented she is She almost won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile in her second start And the horses and the fillies from that group Haven't come back and, and been quite awesome yet But she dusted speech early in the year Speech has improved and become very good there I don't think there's a a question about the talent with Donna Veloce She just feels like a filly Who's had some issues And this this might this is to me A little bit more than she might be able to uh, To deal with off the bench Yeah I mean She's so talented mm-hmm. And and You know you look at a 15 to 1 Morning line on a filly Here that you know if I would have Told you you were getting 15 to 1 on her, you know, even in, you know, mid-April when we knew that the race was getting moved back, uh, you would have said, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, you know, the problem, of course, is that she just hasn't run again. Uh, as you said, it's a really, really weird spot, um, to say the least. Now, look, would it shock me if she turns out to be an absolute crazy freak and, and wins this race somehow? No, it wouldn't shock me because the talent has been proven that it, it's it's possible, um, but it, she needs to improve substantially from a buyer standpoint and substantially from a ragazin standpoint, and she's got to do it off of a really really long layoff. That's and just, go farther than she's ever gone. And go off farther that layoff. than she's ever. It, it it just seems like it's too much to ask. If this filly runs like a good third in this race, it's going to speak volumes mm-hmm. as to how good she is and my, what a career she'll have uh, a part of me is rooting for her because if she wins this race, it means that she's an absolute superstar, but from a, from a handicapping standpoint, it's going to be tough for her to win. But Hey, if you're going to get close to that 15 to one and you think she's just that darn good, 
I'm not going to talk you off her One of the fantasy leagues that I'm in Had a draft earlier today um, And she was still around because somebody dropped her Since she hasn't raced in a while And I looked and I was oh you know she's out there And I picked her because this league goes through The very end of the calendar year So I figure you know maybe I get three races Out of her because if she runs well At least okay here and then maybe You come back and you get a race from her In the Breeders Cup and then She feels like a, a filly that might be Pointing towards the Malibu at the end of the year also You know I could see her so maybe I get a couple of shots At graded stakes with her I like her a lot I just man she She's a total wild card in here Andrew But it's just she hasn't raced Since March and even like I said Even before that just one race So far this year That's true I'm going to use her defensively as a B In here Mm -hmm. one of the things that I've Noticed about Churchill and a lot of people Have made light about this the main Track yes it's dirt but if you've got turf pedigree, you skip over it. Dona Veloce has a 350 turf Tomlinson number, and the bottom side of her pedigree, it's all European. It is all turf. I think Dona Veloce may very well find this ground to her liking. I like the fact that she's got tactical speed, but doesn't necessarily need the lead in order to run well. By all indications, has been working well at Del Mar. Look. Understanding everything Darren said, understanding that, look, horses don't come off of six-month layoffs to win these kinds of races against these kinds of horses. Dona Veloce, to me, is a two-by-four horse. And the term I'm going to explain here is, if you don't use this horse, and this horse wins, you're going to want to hit yourself in the head with a two-by-four. Oh! So you may as well use the horse. And that's what I'm going to do in some capacity. This is not an A. I'm not putting this horse in the same company as Swiss Skydiver and Gamine. But this is a horse that's going to be a B on my tickets and is going to be on some of my tickets to where if this horse goes off, I don't think we're going to get 15 to 1. I think 10 or 12 to 1 is probably more likely. If this horse goes off at 10 to 1 and wins and pays $22, and I'm four out of five in the pick five because I didn't use Dona Veloce, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. So I'm going to use that horse. I've got the bankroll to do that because I singled Monomoy Girl and went pretty slim in most of the other races. So I'll throw this one in. There are far worse 15 to one shots that you'll see. Absolutely. And I, uh, I, I said Malibu earlier. I meant La Brea. Malibu is for the three-year-old for the boys. La Brea is the, the, the race at the end I mean, of the year that's for the three-year-old Phillies. There's nothing saying she no, can't run no, in Malibu. No, not at all. You're right. But I, I know there would be one or two people out there that would correct me. So I just want to correct myself. Horse racing. I said, as soon as I said it, correct, I said a, it and I was shock. like, Malibu, there's something wrong with what I just said. What was I saying? And I, 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 caught, my, I caught myself not long after. So um, we move on to speech, who... She's another horse in here She is just a quality animal DZ And she's been unlucky because She was defeated by Donna Veloce When Donna Veloce was really good And I think Speech was still kind of figuring out Who she was Speech actually was in front of Donna Veloce that day early And Veloce sat and went by her At Santa Anita in the Santa Isabel Then Speech gets as close As anyone's gotten to Gamine And we find out that day that Gamine Actually tested positive for a substance um, and was disqualified from the win that day I mean I thought speech was going to run right by You could tell Vic Stoffer thought she was going to run right by When you heard his voice Unfortunately Gimeen, uh, She didn't for those of you back to speech Gamine digs in She ends up crossing the wire first 
But she gets DQ'd later Which does nothing to help all of us betters Who bet speech <laughs> Could come back in the sanity to, unless, like, unless you read the article that Darren posted on uh, That Darren just wrote on, uh, on DRF About the, the harness case That may open things like this up in the future For, uh, for betters who may get screwed Now there's a precedent sent Which uh, was a great article you wrote Darren uh, Just a few days ago um, Nonetheless speech comes back And it's a field of four And Swiss Skydiver gets out front And she's chasing her She's just got no shot there It's pretty crazy when you look back and see that in a field of five In the Ashland She was four to one in that field And and she just sat behind him And exploded Can she sit off? Is she heading in the right direction? Is she good enough now to compete with these top two, DZ? Yeah, I I loved her in the Ashland And at the price I really like her here Me too Um, You know, I, I mean, on paper Look can Gamin and Swiss Skydiver just be so much better that they play cat and mouse and kick away from the field and it's a battle of wills between the two of them? Sure. But on paper, Gamin goes, you know, Swiss Skydiver doesn't want to let her get too far away. And Speech is just sitting right there in the catbird seat behind the two of them, poised to pounce. And it's just a matter of, is she good enough? Maybe under normal circumstances, maybe she's not quite. But like you said, she was a neck off Gamine in that race back in May. She chased Swiss Skydiver on a speed favoring track in a four horse field. Now she's going to get the mile and an eighth. It seems that she's going to be fine handling that. She's going to be right behind these two speeds in, in, in a great spot in the pocket, stalking them. And, you know, look, from a speed figure standpoint, you know, is she running the 108s and the 110s of Gamine? No. But Gamine's also doing that going seven furlongs in a mile, one turn. So it's a little bit different. Also, Speech's last race ran a five on the Ragazins, which obviously makes her a huge contender. It was her best speed figure there ever. Can she bounce off of it? Sure. But she's not going to be favored. She's going to be no worse than third choice. She'll probably get in every bit of that five to one. And at that price, I will take the chance that she might pair that number up and really yep. take advantage of how this works out. And uh, yeah, I mean. I, I just think the way it looks on paper, she gets the trip of trips here. And it's just a question if she good if she's good enough. And I think the way the race shapes up, she just might be. I thought the Ashland was a tale of two rides. I thought Javier Castellano gave speech a very good ride. I thought Joel Rosario threw in a clunker aboard Venetian Harbor that day. Venetian Is that the Harbor, first or the second time, uh, according to the uh, the owners? <laughs> I, I don't know what the owners said. But in watching that race, he tried to back down Venetian Harbor, 24 to the quarter, 47 to the half. Look, I understand that Venetian Harbor was a seven furlong to a mile type, trying a mile and a 16th, and you want to try to save something for the end. But going the mile and a 16th at Keeneland, it doesn't hurt you to be aggressive up front. Joel Rosario was not. And if you rewatch that race, Rosario did not go to the stick until speech was three quarters of a length past. Don't get me wrong. Speech ran well. Having said that, I'm against her in this spot because I'm looking at the races two, three, and four back. She was four lengths behind Swiss Skydiver. Understanding that was a four-horse field, Swiss Skydiver got loose. Fine. She was beaten a neck by Gamin. Fine. Good effort that day. I can actually understand, okay, if we're betting off of that effort, that's fine. Beaten more than four lengths by Dona Veloce in the Santa Isabel. Dona Veloce is going to be three times the price of speech. 
I think speech is a little bit of an underlay just simply based off the fact that she has to beat three horses that have beaten her and in some cases beaten her quite handily in the past. I respect these connections. I think Mike McCarthy does a tremendous job with not a lot of stock compared to some of the bigger barns in the country. He's a former Todd Pletcher assistant, head city of light a couple of years ago, really good horseman that is starting to get those numbers. And that's very good for him because he's an excellent horseman and deserves every opportunity he can get. I'm a big fan of his. Having said that, five to one seems a little bit short to me. And while I'm going to take shots with the two far bigger prices to the inside, speech is the one shorter price that I'm not going to use. I love the so, difference. Uh, of, real of real quick, Gino. Yeah, real quick. So, so just to, to, to address what, what Andrew said regarding the race in the Santa Isabel, I understand she got beat four and a quarter by Donna Velose in that spot. Her previous three starts were five furlongs on the turf, six furlongs and six furlongs. So she was stretching out from a sprint to a dirt, to a dirt route the first time so take that into account and she got caught up it wasn't a great ride either she got caught up pressing wide all the way around they were three battling across and donna just sat perfect behind them and and angled out and around yeah she got she got caught up in a duel with the horse that she was dueling with got beat a dozen lengths in that spot and stopped on a dime in the stretch i think that race was better than it looks Mm -hmm. on paper when you factor all of that in and i think the fact that she was off of that race was a neck off Gamine, was second to Swiss Skydiver, and then really excelled in the Ashland, tells you, okay, she got her legs under in that first route start. I think her last couple of efforts show you the kind of filly that she is, and I think she's just a much better filly now than she was six, seven months ago. Entirely possible, and the (laughs) one other thing that I'll mention before we move on is what I mentioned about Churchill Downs being very kind to horses with turf pedigrees by Mr. Speaker, grade one winner on turf, out of a mare by Freud, who was a full the Giants causeway. So there's a lot of turf pedigree here. Hasn't tried Churchill Downs in the afternoons. Really good four furlong workout on August 28th. I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if she won, but I you just want more. Others. You want it, you want a little more than a that than you get on her. And then for me, I think she she's a great price. And I think a lot of that has to do with for me. I, I'm playing against Gamine. We get to Gamine next and. And like I said, when you look at the sequence, you look at the way the Friday card is with a lot of these short price favorites throughout, you have to pick and choose some of your spots. I prefer Swiss Skydiver over her. I'll probably play one ticket where I'm just using Swiss Skydiver and speech, and then maybe I'll play one where I throw in uh, maybe a She Dares the Devil and one other uh, crazy price horse or two, just in case, Donna Veloce maybe, and, and maybe I'll even flop in Andrew's crazy price just because uh, if he if that horse won, I'd love to share in it with him also. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh I mean, DZ, we talk about her. I mean, she's crossed the wire all four times first. She's incredibly talented. There's no doubt about that. But she does have the issue where she has the positive test. And and ever since then, I've kind of looked at her a little bit differently. I think it's hard not to when we, we have these really good horses. And who knows? Again, it could have been a, a random contaminated thing. It could have been something more. We, we just don't know. It, we don't really get a whole lot of information ever in horse racing, which sucks for us as betters because we're just kind of sitting here guessing at, at everything. But but since that race where she she was almost defeated, she's come back and cut back in distance twice. She went a mile and then seven furlongs in, in races where – she was just better, and she was hands down had a major pace advantage. Andrew mentioned something about the Venetian Harbor ride at Keeneland. Well, the owner of Venetian Harbor was very upset with the ride that they got in the test. They wanted, and they specifically told Ryder Rosario the instructions were to go as 
fast as you can As hard as you can Try to get in front of Gamin At the very least battle and go fast We don't want you to rate And when you watch the way that that race was Joel kind of grabs a hold pretty early on And instead of you know battling He sort of rides and Sort of rides for second And you pick up a grade one placing That's fine But the owner was really upset He said I don't care about second I wanted to win this race I wanted to take a shot against him So she's going to be going farther Than she's ever gone She's going to be dealing with Some legitimate pressure And a legitimate animal Down to her inside And I've got that weird thing With the test still In the back of my mind um, And and everything So I'm playing against her Darren I have no No knocks on her talent I have no knocks She could win this race And She's the type that if she wins by five It would be zero shock If she just dusts this field And Swiss Skydiver couldn't even keep up with her I, I, I just don't I don't get that feeling though I'll play against her at the price I'll use Swiss, I'll use Speech, maybe a couple others But no gamine for me I, I'm with you and, and I read it very similarly um, Look Her three you know, Her three dynamic wins Were one turn races I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hold a win against her. But look, let's be fair. You know, her least impressive win was the time that she went around two turns at Oakland. Uh, Speech was only a neck behind her in that spot, and I think Speech is a better animal now than she was four months ago. Um, she's gonna get pressure like she hasn't seen before. Uh, regarding the whole owners being angry about Rosario and Venetian Harbin, look, you want, an, <laughs> you, you want an aggressive ride in that spot, maybe don't put Joel Rosario up. And that's I true. Mean, yeah. You know, I mean, it's he's not exactly known as the most aggressive rider in the history of horse racing. Um, but that aside, you know, the speed figures are tremendous. You know, she ran a two and a quarter in, in, on the sheets, two back, uh, a three and three quarters last time. So, look. There's some slight regression there. You know, was it just because she was completely in hand? I mean, she was in hand in both starts. So, you know, who knows? If you read the rags and sheets, you're supposed to, when you look at those numbers, they tell you just read the numbers and take everything else out of the equation because the patterns are the patterns and that's what it is. Maybe she regresses again off, off of the three and three quarters and comes back enough that she gets beat. But as a handicapper, going a mile and an eighth, having to go fast, Probably than she has around two turns Before I don't think she's going 23 and 1 46 and 3 here You know while coasting along on an Easy lead all of that Wrapped in a bow Tells me to play against that's What I'm going to do here if she wins I lose simply mm-hmm. that I've got a Rosario story that I need to tell now and I've been sitting on this Story <laughs> I kid you not For eight years so My, my first, <laughs> now, This is a good one my my first summer working full-time in Saratoga was 2012. And I sat in the Saratoga press box one of the last summers in which it was fully occupied. I was sitting behind a murderer's row of people in the front. We had John Preachy, Paul Moran, guys from the New York Daily News, guys from the New York Post. Real education doing that. Paul Moran, God bless his soul, unfortunately passed away several years ago owned a filly by the name of Benita Sonata. And Benita Sonata was a New York bred that was running in Saratoga at Joel Rosario aboard before Joel Rosario was Joel Rosario in all caps. Well, the instructions were for Joel Rosario to go make the lead. Joel Rosario rides passively, horse finishes third or fourth, Paul Moran's really ticked off. Very next race, Joel Rosario... Boots a horse on the lead. It's a, it's a four to five favorite. The horse is expected to win. 
and the horse jogs. Ed Fontaine from the New York Post looks straight at Paul Moran and goes, Joel Rosario, best gate rider in the country. <laughs> and Paul Moran looks at Ed Fontaine with a look that would melt steel. It has been ingrained in my mind for eight years. It's one of the best stories that I've gotten. I haven't had a chance to really share it much because it hasn't really been applicable. But you get Joel Rosario at his best, he's a fantastic world-class rider. You get Joel Rosario at his worst, not pretty. Anyway, moving on to another piece of wisdom that was handed down to me by a legend of the New York turf, one Harvey Pack. Never bet a horse as the favorite Doing to this, do yeah. something it's never done before. Gamine will almost certainly be favored. I don't know if the spread is going to be as wide as the morning line is. Gamine will probably drift up a little bit to six to five, seven to five. I think eight to five or so is about right on Swiss Skydiver. Gamine might win. If Gamine goes out and the other riders grab, which, going to be honest, not unprecedented on a big stage. In this day and age, especially. We see a lot of that in this era. Yeah. We mentioned the over-under for the first half mile. If they go, I would say the tipping point is 46 and four. If they go that or slower and Gamine's on the lead, Gamine wins. Problem is, I don't think they're going to go that slow. I think Gamine is going to be tested up front and she's going to have a big test to pass. Now, if you go by buyer speed figures, she is absolutely the horse to beat. I'm looking at the pedigree here. Into Mischief is a world-class sire. All of his two-year-olds win. All of his two-year-olds can run. That's great. Mile and an eighth. And bottom side of the pedigree, a Calf Wayne filly. Calf Wayne was a very good two-year-old. Believe was a grade one winner as a two-year-old. Going this long. And I understand why you guys are playing against her. I will solely use her defensively in this spot. Again, simply because if they go 46 and four to the half, it's over. Cue the Vince Carter taunt after the dunk contest. It's over. Having said that, do I think such a situation is likely? No. Gamine, talented, but definitely some, um, you, you can definitely carve some holes. And, and, and we're, you can see from the three of us where the, we would be. Not surprised in the least if she jogs, but at the price, is she's worth it? We get to Byerness here, who I mean, she beats with Skydiver. Her first two starts, I thought she was going to be a really, really nice filly, and then she just hasn't progressed. She's kind of grindy. I think, I think there are a few fillies in here that the connections looked at this field and said, I could probably finish third in here. That would be pretty cool to get, you know, finish third in the Oaks. I might be able to do that. And Byerness, I think, is one of them. Um, DZ, I just. I have to see more. I, I really don't know what she is. Is she want to be close? Does she want to come from off of it? What is her style? I, I don't really know. She, for me, I just, I, I can't really make too much of a case for her. Yeah, I mean, you know, taking a look, third start back off the form cycle, although you're looking at a near 60-day, you know, break since that last start. So it's not really, a, you know, that, that much of a, of a third start off the layoff situation. Uh, I mean, you know, I like to find some weird things with horses. Where did the workout come from on July 25th where this thing breezed best out of 90 going 46 and 4? Right. Um, you know, if this, maybe if this race was being run on August the 1st, 
you know, maybe she'd be a little bit fitter. I don't know. Because since then, she's just had these blowouts. Um, so I, the, the training into this race is kind of weird to have the screws tightened at the end of July and just kind of take your foot off the gas pedal a bit lately. The last move in 48 was a nice one over the training track at Churchill. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, from, from a buyer's standpoint, she's nowhere close. From a Ragazin standpoint, she's nowhere close. Um, I, look, I mean, if you want to look and say, you know, anybody could be third, okay. But, but this one might be the last horse that I would pick to be third in the field. She won't be anywhere on my tickets. I think she's a nice one-turn horse. I mean, mm-hmm. that's ultimately the reason she started her career two for two with a couple of nice races. She yeah. paid up 76 buyer speed figures as a two-year-old. That's not easy to do. They knew this horse had some potential because they paid $350,000 for this horse at auction, which I also think is a reason why they're running in this race. One check cuts that price tag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, All of a sudden, you're sitting pretty from a profit-loss perspective. But... This is a horse that just doesn't seem to have moved forward off that two-year-old form. She's got a chance to win some races moving forward. I don't think this one's one of them. Yep. Let's get to She Dares the Devil. Um, she, You know, you look at her recent form, and she she beat up in, on a couple fields that she was better than in her last two. What's very nice is that, you know, positives. She's won three of her last four. She's proven at Churchill. She has enough speed to where she probably won't, she, you don't think she's going to necessarily get outrun by gaming and Swiss Skydiver if they open up. She doesn't have to be way out of it, but she can sit and pass horses, which she's proven. When she faced Swiss Skydiver at Oaklawn, she had a brutal trip. You can put a line right through that. She had legitimate trouble that day. She never got a shot. And DZ, my only concern with her is just the figures. Like on paper, the horse that she is, the filly that she is, I like. And I think she, if you're looking, if you're looking outside of the top two, and then maybe even speech, she would, for me, for sure be the next one to look at. And I think she really could. But when I see the figures and the numbers, does she have enough of a chance on those to compete with the top couple in here? I don't look. I'll put it to you this way. So a- Andrew highlighted uh, a horse earlier that he said was like a, a crazy long shot in tempers rising that he thought ha- had a shot if everything you know went her way. Uh, uh, she dares the devil is not a is not a crazy is not nearly as crazy, but if you ask me outside of the logical horses, who who do you look at? You know th- this filly for me has some appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the last two starts; she was just much the best. I think you know people are going to look at this race and they're going to say, "Oh wow, well she went wire to wire two back, and she sat just off the pace last time." You know she's going to be right there. You know forwardly placed. I don't think so. I think those two races were a product of she was just that much better than everybody else. And they put her in the race early, not to screw around. They knew what the target was. They wanted to continue to progress her and move her forward. And she ran two dynamite races against horses that she should have run two dynamite races against. I think this horse is going to be sitting fifth or sixth early, six, seven lengths off of the lead. I think it's going to be much more in line with her effort you know, kind of a combination of, of the fantasy and the honeybee. Um, I think she's going to be fairly well off the pace in a somewhat of a stalking slash closing position. I think she's going to get enough pace in front of her that she's going to make a move on the turn. Is she good enough to run by them all? Probably not. But in exotics, if Gamine and Swiss Skydiver do something crazy and only one of them survives the duel, I would have no problem in saying that she dares the devil as a horse that could get up second, certainly get up third. So for me, 
20 to one, you know, if you're looking for a long shot, this is probably the one that you want to be on. The more I look at this horse, the more I like this horse, not necessarily to win, but certainly to run Mm -hmm. second or third. And in fact, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Brad Cox's instructions to Florent Giroux are the French translation for ride for third, because if you get a grade one placing with this kind of horse, all of a sudden the broodmare value shoots straight up. Now, looking at this horse's recent form, first of all, question for you guys. Do you guys know what the story is behind the two trainer changes this horse has had? Because that's, no. that's curious. No, um, no. I mean, it's not like Mark Cassie can't train. It's not like Simon Callahan can't train. Brad Cox is world-class, obviously, but that's, that's curious. So she comes into the Brad Cox barn, probably needs the first race on February 15th. Second beaten less than a length by Bonnie South, who next time out wins a graded stakes race at fairgrounds. No issue there. Wins the honeybee by three quarters of a length. Obviously, no issue there. Doesn't sit her preferred trip in the fantasy. Had some traffic going around the turn. Was third well beaten by Swiss Skydiver. But you can argue that she never really had a chance to run a race. Yep, she had trouble multiple times, too. At the start, going into the turn. And then she got squeezed. And then she starts to move up the rail. She loses all of her momentum. So there were... I mean, it was actually pretty impressive that she was able to still finish third and beat a, a lot of horses in that race after that trouble. Yeah, it was a 14-horse field. We're not talking third of five here. We're talking third of 14. So there's some class there. Beats up on two weaker groups in each of the last two starts. Has been training forwardly. She would need others to regress significantly, and she would need to run a career-best race. Catch is, I think she's sitting on a career-best race I just don't think that career best race is good enough to beat any one of these shorter prices if they fire their best shots. But mm-hmm. if you're playing ver- uh, vertical exotics and you're looking for a bomb to throw in second or third, your exactus or trifectus, you could do a lot worse. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Gino, by the way, to add to, to Andrew's point about her sitting on her best, her best race, uh, from a Ragazin standpoint, three starts back, 12 and a half, two starts back, 11 and a quarter, Last start was a career best 10 and a quarter. So she's coming off of a career best and she's coming off of the kind of pattern. Mm-hmm. If you look at Ragazin, you're, you're not going to bounce. You're no, going to keep progressing. Bounce. Yeah. So you're, she's likely to run somewhere between maybe an eight and three quarters and a nine and a quarter here. Is that going to be good enough to win? Probably not. Is it good enough to run third? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then we can, I guess, group the final, the, the final two together, DZ, because uh, we have hopeful growth. And Dream Marie, they've actually raced against each other in the last two. They were both in the Delaware Oaks and then in the Monmouth Oaks. They traded decisions as far as who beat who in back in in, in two races. Hopeful Growth was actually pretty impressive winning her last start in the Monmouth Oaks. She was close up. She was in tight inside. She just saves all the ground right off of the heels of the leaders and then just waits, angles around. And when she was asked, it was super impressive. It's just same type of thing. How good is she? Can she compete with the the top two? Is she going to be sitting, you know, or wanting to be forwardly placed or not too far out of it in a race where there's a couple other real quality, quality fillies in here? So, I mean, I'm not sure with her. Dream Marie, who was well beaten by Hopeful Growth last time out. I mean, she could maybe pass some tired horses late, but I like other price horses than the two to the outside. I don't get real excited about either one of them. 
yeah, I'm so for me, both of these are are, are not going to be on any tickets, even even third and tries or anything like that. And the reason being, I think that Monmouth Oaks number is phony. Um, that track that day was really, really slow. Um, if you take a look, I mean, if you if you make your own speed figures and you and you run a variant, that Monmouth track had to have, you know, whatever number you use. I'll just put it to you. It was a very slow track. And I think the buyer number is kind of over-exaggerated based on how slow that track was. You know, when you go a mile and a 16th at Monmouth and you're talking 48 and 2, 113 and 2, you don't see that real often at Monmouth. Uh, and that's that just talks about, points to the fact that that's the way the track was that day. I think it's a phony number. Um, yeah, I don't think it was a very good race in terms of class standpoint. And you look at the numbers prior to that from anywhere between Dream Marie uh, or Hopeful Group, they're just nowhere's good enough. So, yeah, I mean, th- these are two tosses for me. Dream Marie is an absolute toss for me. Hopeful Growth, I think, could well be a nice horse. That 90 buyer, if it's legitimate, not a terrible number. If you're playing dime supers or really ridiculous exotics with deep uh, ticket structures and a lot of people chipping in a couple bucks here and there, maybe this is one you throw in third or fourth and see what happens, but can't endorse on the win end for sure. So there's your field. For the Oaks, um, let's let's kind of give a, a wrap up on the Oaks race in particular, Darren. And then um, overall, Andrew, I think you said you have a, a ticket you can go through. Darren, you don't have to go like, but but maybe give us a, a horse or two or how you're going to build this this pick five ticket on Oaks uh, Friday. Yeah. So basically, what's going to happen is, uh, you know, I, I like to build tickets around you know specific horses. Uh, speech is going to be a is going to be a fairly big part of that. Although I'm, I'm not as confident in her as I am in, in vex, Vexatious. So, you know, Speech is going to be my A. Uh, Gamine, I'm not going to have. Swiss Skydiver is going to be close to an A for me. And even She Dares the Devil, I'm going to use probably on, on a couple of tickets as well. But for me, uh, the race does come, the, the sequence comes down to the La Troyenne. Vexatious is going to be an absolute single for me as an A. Um, you know, if she wins, it's going to give me a lot of coverage in some other spots. Um, you know, it gives me a chance to maybe even go a little bit behind beyond the two favorites in the eight bells. So for me, I might go three or four deep to start the two favorites. I know I might use Andrews Philly because he made a good case for her in that spot. I'm buying the Edgewood because I do think that that race is a lot more wide open than it appears on paper. The Ali Sheba, you know, I'm going to get some depth in there. Silver Dust uh, and uh, Mr. Freeze are going to be my key horses. Uh, I'm going to be using McKenzie very sparingly by my standards a little bit, title ready a little bit. And then as we talked about, big focus on Vexatious, Oaks, you know, we're going to we're going to need speech or Swiss Skydiver probably to win there. So that that's the crux of my ticket. I'll certainly tweet out, you know, I don't do like some of the other guys where they where they like, you know, put it out on Twitter and it's like, oh, is this guy really banged it? I'll actually post my ticket. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, you know, that I'm actually in for the same investment that I'm telling you. Here's my recommended play. Darren, I appreciate that. But I got to tell you, if you're out there listening and you're one of your, oh, post your ticket slip or it didn't happen, <laughs> people get a life. I'm just saying. <laughs> There are so many bigger things to worry about in the world than, oh, I want to see the bet slip herpeter. For me, it's on record. It's when you're on record. Like when, when, you know, when you're having a pot or you guys are on talking on on record, like when you go before the race and you're on record with who you like, 
that that's the most important to me. I just don't like when the people are telling me they hit things and they never posted it, they never talked about it, they never mentioned it. But hey, if you're talking about a horse for a while, saying go bet this horse, I don't care. And and it doesn't matter to me if you bet zero, two, or two hundred. It's it's a good job handicapping. Obviously, the people that bet, obviously, you know, the betting is what matters for sure. But I I know what you're saying, Andrew. For me, it's just more of like a I don't like the after the fact, the pointing out the hey, look, oh, I had that horse, but I didn't tell anybody or ever mention it to anyone on on Earth. Right. It's the fleet dreams principle from Let It Ride. You might have told us you liked them for Christ's sakes. What a great (laughs) movie Let It Ride is. Now, going back to this pick five, look, if you followed me on Twitter or in the pink sheet or anywhere else that I've been for any length of time, you know that I tend to play pretty economical tickets. And I'm not going to give out a ticket that I myself don't feel comfortable putting in myself. It's one of those things where I'm not going to give out a ridiculously priced ticket just to say that I hit the sequence. Now, the benefit of that is if a sequence comes up a little bit chalky, it doesn't hurt me as much as it hurts bigger players out there. Some people call it a singles hitter strategy. Well, I'm throwing in a couple of prices here to where if, say, four chalks come in and then tempers rising wins the Kentucky Oaks, I'm still standing to collect a pretty decent amount of money. So my ticket if you play caveman style, it's a $48 play. I'll go through with some A's and B's. Race number eight is the eight bells. Monday call and Sconson are my A's. Four graces is my B. Nothing against four graces. I just think Monday call is probably a little bit faster than that one. If four graces wins, I'll still have tickets live. But it's just a case where I think if you're picking speed horses there, you sort of have to go one or the other and then have a closer to come pick up the pieces. That's what I have with Wisconsin. So one and five are A's. The seven is a B. Race number nine, I've got two A's, three and eight. Sharing is the three horse coming in off of that great second in the coronation over at Royal Ascot. And I'll also use walk in Marrakesh, assuming the turf course has a little bit of cut, a little bit of give in the ground. Three and eight in race number nine, the grade two Edgewood, Adam Copeland's favorite race. Race number 10 is the Ali Sheba grade two. And this is an event where I'm going four deep in here. I'm using the logicals. McKinsey and by my standards are sort of defensive uses, but I'm also going to throw in number three, Owendale, who gets the pace that he figures to need. And I'll throw in title ready as well, because this is a horse second off the layoff for Dallas Stewart that seems to be training lights out. And is another that seems to want a very fast pace that it seems likely he's going to get two, three, six, seven there. Race number 11, the La Trienne. This is where Darren and I take different paths. I'm singling Monomoy Girl in here. I just think she's the class of the field. I respect Vexatious, but this is Monomoy Girl's home track. And if she doesn't win, I lose. I imagine many others do as well. And that's why I respect Darren for taking a stand. I just think Monomoy Girl's the better horse. And I want opportunities to spread elsewhere, including in the grade one Kentucky Oaks. Swiss Skydiver is my top selection in there. Eight to five on the morning line. I think we'll get it. Tyler Gaffleone should have some options. Can go on the lead. Doesn't necessarily need to go on the lead. I'm trying to beat speech. Gamine is a defensive use for me as a B. My other Bs are number two, Tempers Rising, that 50 to one shot. And number three, Dona Veloce, who may very well be a freak if she's ready to run off of that six-month layoff. If you use all of these horses in a caveman ticket, it comes out to $48. If you want to use a tool like DRF Bet's Ticket Maker, you can do that and do A's, B's, and C's and come up with something that fits your budget a little bit more. But that's my ticket. Hopefully we get a price or two home in the right spots to make this pay a little bit. 
Awesome stuff, fellas. Um, and like I said, we're talking early. We're recording this Tuesday night because I want to get these uh, these episodes out early, so that way people have an opportunity to uh, listen to them throughout the week and get their handicapping done. But give us about like a minute each. Um, we'll start with DZ. Give, give me like a minute on the Derby early on. We know Art Collector's out. Um, overall thoughts. Uh, Tis the law. Is there anyone early on that you're looking at as maybe a, a middle horse or a, a long shot to throw on some tickets? Where do you stand with Tiz? Sure. I, I mean, look, I totally respect his. I actually like the post draw for him. I think it works out uh, very well for him. Uh, I'm fading authentic. Uh, I don't like him at all. I, I like him even less with the 18 hole. I think with the two speeds to his inside, you know, I, I don't think he's a stalker. I think he wants to lead. And I think that's going to make things a little difficult on him. Um, honor, IP, honor AP, I'm okay on, but, you know, not totally convinced that he necessarily uh, has to be second. If you're looking for middle price horses that I'm going to be using, uh, I will be using New York traffic. Uh, I think he was a, a good second in the Haskell. I think he's developing nicely. Uh, I respect Paco Lopez as a rider here. Um, you know, we'll need to work out a trip in the outside post there from the 15 with all that speed to his outside Maybe a little bit concerning, but I think he has a chance to hit the ticket at a, at a price. I know thousand words is pretty popular. The Bob Baffert lovers, I'm okay on him, you know, not totally sold, but not totally against. The other horse that I know that I'm going to be using at a price is going to be uh, the two max player who, you know, has been the third behind Tisgalaw the last two starts. And basically, you know, he's run into a monster the last two. And, you know, I forgive that. He's racing against them again. He doesn't have to beat him, but, you know, I certainly think he can run third to him again. So, you know, I'm going to need a long shot like that to get on the ticket. But, yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine that Tisdalaw has any reason to regress here unless you think he's just not the freak that he appears to be. And he might actually regress off of lifetime best you know, numbers. I haven't looked at the Ragazin sheet yet, so I don't know what he got in the Travers. But from the buyer standpoint, I'm sure it was a pretty darn big number. I have three prevailing theories going into the Kentucky Derby. Theory number one, tis the law should not lose. Mm -hmm. I just can't get, I I can't complicate this. I just can't do it. Theory number two, authentic and max player will be underlays and not Mm -hmm. because of anything they've done on the racetrack or haven't done whatever. I think the, my racehorse people, God bless them. I think that's a fantastic venture. If you're into that sort of thing, I think every single one of those owners is going to be firing at the windows. And I think we may very well get the my boy Jack effect with so much money coming in, not necessarily having to do with the form. Hey, Andrew, real quick for max player. What, what would constitute an underlay for you? Lower than his morning line. Oh, anything lower than 31. Okay. Anything lower than that. I have never been high on that horse. I think he's a nice horse. I think he's punching above his weight class here. Yeah, now, 20, 20 seems probably more for me. Like, I think over 20, I'm okay with because I, I, for me, most of it is just, and, and you can get your, your third point just for a second, is just, I just, like, sort of like what you're saying, Andrew, I just don't love anyone in here. So you could, if, if you have a strong case to like a longer price to hit the ticket somewhere, I'm okay with your, your case because I just, I have maybe one or two strong opinions on horses that I think are going to run well, but I don't have a strong opinion really against his the law. There's nobody, you know, I would have loved to see Art Collector in the race because now I think one of the horses that I might like is going to be even shorter. So they're just, I don't love the race from a betting standpoint at all. And I completely agree with a lot of what you had said. So you got your one, you got your two. What is your third point, Andrew? I appreciate the dramatic pause to build suspense because this one's a doozy. Point number three enforceable hits the board 
Enforceable nice. was my Belmont horse back in January or February. There is an alternate universe where Enforceable wins the Belmont in June and pays 3240 after running a non-threatening 6th or 7th in the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday in May. The one thing I will say about Enforceable that we can't say for two-thirds of this field, the distance will not beat him. This is a horse that is a grinder. There is no turn of foot here. This is a horse that will be grinding away in the stretch, may very well be 13th or 14th going into the turn, but that's when a lot of horses are going to be stopping. Enforceable on his best day, I don't think can beat Tis the Law. But in order for me to have a profitable Kentucky Derby, I don't think he has to. My play may very well be trifectas, Tis the Law all enforceable, and Tis the Law enforceable all. If Tis the Law wins, enforceable hits the board, and we get another price in second or third, I'll be dancing pretty hard up here in Northern California. Now, a- Andrew, one question, though. If you, ha- if you like this horse that much, to the point where you think, you know, you liked him back in January, you- you're going to let a scenario occur where this horse, if he gets his nose on the wire first, you're not going to collect? Well, there's going to be some saver win and double okay. play, too. Okay, but yeah, there we go. The, the, <laughs> there tries, we go. the tries are the main play there. Okay. Sure. My thinking yeah. is, tis the loss should not lose. As much as I liked Enforceable way, way, way back, you can make the argument that he certainly hasn't progressed as much as tis the law has. Tis the law is just a better horse. There's going to be some saver win money on that horse. I know Ken Rudolph, our friend Ken Rudolph, really likes that horse. I have been high on him, as I've mentioned for a pretty long time, and I was really hoping we'd get a chance to see him go a mile and a half. Who knows, maybe after this, they'll run him in the marathon on Breeders' Cup week, and we'll get a chance <laughs> to see what he can do there. But going a mile and a quarter is not going to hurt this horse. 30 to 1 on the morning line, I think we'll get that price. And again, I'm not necessarily saying he'll win, but if you're looking for a horse to throw in second or third at a price, I think that's the one. Gino, I'll I'll leave with this. So, you know, like like you, I'm having a hard time finding anything that I love. But my my strongest opinion, truly, in this race is I do not like authentic at all. I yeah, I, I, I think I completely agree with you. A, yeah, into mischief at a mile and a quarter. I did not like his Haskell. I thought he uh, got the better of the fact that Doctor Post had a terrible trip that day. And on top of which, where he's going to be early in this race. And where Tis the Law is going to be. When Tis the Law makes his move, I think he's going to completely chew up Authentic's heart and spit it out. And this horse is going to stop in the stretch entirely. I, I think he's an absolute stone cold sucker play. And if he's anywhere in the top four, I will not be cashing a single ticket. That's how strongly I feel that this horse is just a complete fraud in this spot. Awesome stuff, fellas. I appreciate it when the three of us get together. It doesn't matter if it's wrestling, racing, uh, whatever it is. We are going to go on, and I think the people will enjoy this because we're coming up on an hour, 40 minutes for the uh, the late pick five uh, for Churchill on Friday and, and a little derby thought. So um, you, you're not going to find analysis like this breaking down each race with different opinions really anywhere else. DZ, AC, good luck this weekend. Um, you make sure to follow along with the both of them Because you'll get some thoughts for theirs from Saturday stuff That we didn't get really the chance to talk uh, too much about in here We'll be talking some wrestling again next week When we recap SummerSlam 2001 Darren and then Andrew Just give the folks out there Where can we follow you along on social media 
Sure. So I'm on Twitter and at the track seven, um, I'll certainly be tweeting out thoughts about the Oaks and the Derby coming up for this week. And then uh, I just did my first fantasy football draft. You would have never known it, but I did the entire draft while talking to you, fine gentlemen. Wow. Impressive. We are, we are are multitasking. um, So (laughs) we'll be doing a lot of football stuff as well. So it's going to be a fun fall. we got a lot of cool stuff to look forward to all the way through Derby Preakness Breeders cup football, lots of good stuff coming up. So uh, certainly follow us there at the track seven. I too am a defending fantasy football champion. The idiots in my league let me draft Pat Mahomes and Saquon Barkley in the same draft two years ago. It's a keeper league and they are going to be paying for that for the next 15 years. <laughs> Twitter is at Andrew Champagne. Lots going on, not just in Kentucky, but also at Saratoga. It's closing week there. And there are a lot of really good races still left to be run. We've got the Woodward. We've got a really cool New York Bread Showcase Day coming up on Friday. And, of course, the two-year-old races, the Spinaway and the Hopeful, both grade ones. I am embroiled in a pitched battle with a cartoon character in the pink sheet. We are both tied with 99 wins heading into day 35 on Wednesday. I had to do some quick math in my head. I think I got that right. But uh, it's going to be pretty fun seeing if I can win my fifth pink sheet championship. One for the thumb, as they say. But uh, I'll have some Churchill stuff as well, obviously. Really looking forward to this weekend, not the least of which because I'm off on Friday and Monday's a holiday. So it's a four-day weekend where I can just concentrate on the horses. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Champagne and JD will be back this week. Uh, We've taken a little bit of a hiatus for a variety of reasons. was a really busy month for me at work. Uh, My co-host and producer, JD Fox, unfortunately hadn't been feeling all that well as well. But thankfully, he's back on the mend. He's doing better. So we'll be back this week over on YouTube. Go give us a subscribe there. We've got a whole bunch of really cool guests that we've had in the past. So take a look at some of our past shows for some of the interviews that we've been able to do. But lots going on, as Darren mentioned. And it's going to be the case for the rest of the year as Hopefully speaking, horse racing's in a good shape to capitalize heading into the Breeders' Cup. Loads of information for you folks for the Friday Pick 5 and even some thoughts on uh, on Saturday's Derby. Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne, two of the best fellas around that you'll find. Thanks again, folks, um, and don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with much, much more on That's What G Said. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. And I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us uh, a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on. Hi, Gino. Thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, out to Upland and Ontario just recently. Um, the market has, has been uh, really good. Um, we're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8% this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5% in increase in value. Um, it's also looking great for buyers. Uh, the interest rates right now are gonna be staying under 4%. So if you've been on the fence about thinking about buying a home, Home, now is the time to do so with interest rates still staying low. And you offer more services than just the buying, selling, and leasing homes. Tell us about some of the other services that you offer and what a full service realtor really is. 
So you're right, Gino, besides me being uh, a full service realtor of uh, finding properties for my clients to buy or selling their homes or finding rentals for them, um, I also have a plethora of resources like uh, handyman, contractors, electricians, plumbers. Uh, I even, if like I said, if you're thinking about getting a home loan, I actually work with two great lenders that I can recommend to anybody. And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. They, everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact? Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400. Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, Appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast. Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone. Big thank you to DZ and AC for helping us out there talking uh, late pick five. Let's let's kind of just go over some of my selections real quick for the sequence because I didn't really get get too. I mean, I got specific, but let's just go real quick recap them. So in the eighth race, I am five and seven. Wisconsin Four Graces is my top two. I think Four Graces is probably the one to beat. Uh, but with Monday Call, I'm, I'll be using Monday Call in some. So I'm five seven seven five one two four in race number. In race number 9 I like Hendy Woods I'm going to make Hendy Woods my top selection Hendy Woods um, on top of sharing So 2-3 for me and everything With the 4 Lucky Betty as my big price play The the turf debut She's beat older Um, I I like this filly I think she has some ability The 8 walk in Marrakesh It's hard to leave her out Because she's going to be right there It just Does she want to win? We'll start to find out in the next few races Maybe she's one that just likes to settle for minor rewards in good spirits from the inside, you you know you're gonna get some speed out of this one. So those are you know two, three, four, eight, one, two, three on that top tier. In race number ten, uh, I'm I'm going to the five. Mister Freeze is my top selection. By my standards, will be on all of my exotics. The three Owendale will be in a lot of them. I'll throw in the price, the one Silver Dust in a, in a couple. I know Andrew was high on title ready, so I'm gonna actually include him in a few exotics also. But uh, no McKinsey for me, and it'll be five six as the top tier on a lot of exotics, and then five six three one, then include title ready also um, after uh, after the, the the sales job from Andrew. And then we get to race number 11, the La Troyenne. For me, I put the uh, I put Monomoy Girl on top. Probably a spot where I probably a spot where I single one ticket, and then I'll have another ticket where I'm using all combinations of you know two, four, five, six, and eight. But really two, four, six, and eight. I do think the four has an opportunity to get in the mix there. And so Monomoy on one ticket, another ticket where we spread out a little bit. And then for me in the Oaks, it's 417. It's Speech, Swiss Skydiver. She's the Daredevil. D- uh, Donna Veloce as a wild card. The three I use in some spots. Tempers Rising, I flop underneath in a couple spots. And Gimeen, she's awesome. 
She's so good. But we have to pick and choose some spots where we're not going to just be using the favorite. We can't use the the heavy favorite in all of these races and expect the pick five to pay anything. We got to have reasons why. And I I have plenty that we talked about against gaming. This is a tough spot for her. She's going to have to prove she can deal with a a lot of heat. She's going to have to go farther than she has. Can she raid if she doesn't break alertly and right on top? Some question marks with Gamine. Give me Swiss Skydiver. Give me Speech. Give me She's the Daredevil on some 417 as the top tier 3 and 2 um, as uh, maybe others to include in a few. In the 13th race, didn't get a chance to talk about that one at all. I'm going to start with the three real news who adds the blinkers. I loved him. On May the 29th, he broke well. He was sitting fourth on the inside, and then he lost his footing. He was in tight, and he had a take-up. He lost all momentum. He lost a few lengths, and that was that. Last out, he broke well again. He tried to sit in a similar spot inside. Immediately, he's in tight. Nowhere to go. Lost ground. Tough trip. He, he needs to get a little lucky. He's had brutal trips in his last few, and it... And it does it make sense because he's got a nice running style where he he's pretty versatile. He puts himself into it. He just has been in spots where he's been backed up right into. The five extravagant kid drew the rail last time out, so he had to come from way out of it. He had to make that inside to outside move, which is not easy for a horse with his running style who wants to sit off a bit. He has more speed than he was able to show last time out. You have Gaff Leone, who's a lot more aggressive than Joel is. Expect Extravagant Kid to run a big one The 4 bound for nowhere He was battling on the lead inside of Tiger Blood He put away the other speed last time out Just couldn't hold off the closers Leinster totally boss Should be fit Put a couple races together now But he still really hasn't raced In July, we're talking about you know September now the two well abled is really really quick He's hard to completely dismiss Because if anybody Gets a clear advantage It's probably him I just don't know if he's going to be able to get an advantage In a race like this A clear one A couple other horses I just wanted to mention That I might throw on some crazy tickets Where that I'm, I'm really deep here The 8 just might he just He tries really hard He's not that far behind a lot of th- This group and in these turf sprints, it's all about who ends up getting the right trip. He's going to get the right trip one of these days and win a race like this at a big price. And as long as he keeps running well enough against the, this group to prove, like groups like this to prove that he, he's not overmatched, he was 40 to 1 last time out. And he got tired late, but he had some trouble. And he, he does, he's not a horse that deserves to be 30 or 40 to 1. He's probably more like a, a 12, 15 to 1 shot. Then what do we do with with Tiger Blood? What I like about Tiger Blood is he proved last time out that he can pass some horses. He's always been a really quick speed type, but now he showed us, okay, I can pass some horses if need be. But he's hooked, he's parked wide. I, they're going to have to use a lot of that speed. Again, he's in good hands with someone like Maker. So, A, Really nice Friday card As you would imagine At Churchill Downs And We're going to get through the sa- So what we're going to do What I'm going to do for Saturday Now Is I'm going to have Four different guests on for Saturday Going through different parts of the card So I'm going to have 
someone joining me to talk races one, two, three, and then they'll give their opinion on the Derby. I'm gonna have someone joining me to talk races four, five, six, seven, and then they'll give me their give their opinion on the Derby. Someone's gonna be joining us to talk races eight, nine, ten, and then their opinion on the Derby, and then races eleven, twelve, thirteen, and also the Derby. So you're gonna get tons of different thoughts on the full Saturday card. I wanted to make these uh, episodes really horse racing focused for a couple of the big days because honestly, starting next week. You know, we're always going to have horse racing on the show. There's always going to we're always going to be giving out horses for the weekend and talking about the news and breaking down the big days. But football's going to be in the mix. We're going to have football starting, so we're going to have a show now where we'll be covering racing, football, basketball, baseball. It is. It's going to change very, very quickly, and in the NFL. If you're watching Hard Knocks on HBO, we had episode 3 last week and then episode 4 just on Tuesday night. I'm going to go through those two. Episode 3, we saw Chargers coach Phil McGowan going through film. He loves to drop some F-bombs and he even had a joke on social media this week about how he has to donate to a fund because everybody was giving him a hard time for how much he cusses on the show. But he doesn't care who you are. This is what we've we've seen about the Chargers coaches. They don't care who you are. If you don't block, you're not going to play. Big name players... Running backs, tight ends, whoever you are You you block, if you don't block You're not playing We see the footballs being prepared They're being leathered up And all the preparation for training camp Sean McVay, he is so pumped He's so excitable, he's telling stories He's excited for things to be moving forward We get the first practices with pads And Coach Lynn has a Zoom call To prepare everyone He says, you know, just remember These guys are on your team We want you to hit, but we don't want anybody to take any cheap shots here that Chargers coach Phil getting on everybody for not blocking. They're watching film from camp. They're finding lots of mistakes. Coach Lynn is finding lots of mistakes. And a lot of the, the early part of the episode is about blocking. And he talks about Keenan Allen, the wide receiver. And they love him because he blocks. And he's he's one of the team leaders. The players look up to him. He talks some trash on the field. He backs it up. And now he's got this in-team rivalry with Chris Harris, who used to play for, for the Broncos. And they had, they went at each other for years, and now Harris plays for the Chargers. And so they go against each other in practice. It makes the both of them better, and they've got this fun little little history. And they laugh about former games and a holding call that went against Keenan a few years back. Keenan makes him look goofy. He, he kind of falls backwards and trips over in practice. And so Harris is talking about his new surroundings He's talking to his wife um, About the new team They are on a video call with their kids who are back in Colorado He has to leave his kids for a while While they figure out the new arrangement Moving, getting a new place Coming on out here, everything they, uh, They're they staying with the grandparents Back in Colorado We see quarterback Jared Goff QB1 with his girlfriend Touring uh, SoFi Stadium This huge Massive circular video board This stadium looks nice It is big Can't wait to get a look at this thing on the TV We see the rookie linebacker Clay Johnston Who they've taken a focus in a lot He's he's such a dork But he's a nice guy He loves football He works hard His dad was a coach His dad is one of the best friends of Brett Favre He was the best man in Brett Favre's wedding And we see Clay chatting on a Zoom call with his dad his dad's making fun of his hair And his dad's making fun of his goatee And then Brett Favre jumps on the Zoom call And Clay calls him Papa Favre They give Clay advice He knows he's making mistakes But he wants it 
And that's one thing that Clay has And you can see it that he has more than a lot of other people He loves the game He cares Quarterback Tyrod Taylor tweaking some of the plays He He talks about you know He's been around He's he's seen a lot of different things He was the backup for the, in the Super Bowl For the Ravens he, he took a Buffalo team That hadn't won in a long time And won with them Ended a playoff drought He then went over to Cleveland and he was in a tough spot Because they draft Baker Mayfield And he ends up getting hurt And so he's not the guy uh, Tyrod's not the guy anymore And Baker has that really good rookie year Then he comes to the Chargers And they're in a similar situation They draft Justin Herbert So now he's got to be a leader of this team But he knows that there's someone You know, He's got to kind of look over his back Because he knows there's someone behind him He seems like a really good guy though This seems like he's got a great head on his shoulders Very even keeled And He just He comes off very well like a like a really nice leader One thing I like too Is that the Chargers look like they have Some really good leaders on their team Another one is Melvin Ingram He was waiting on contract renegotiations And he's still showing up to practice Every day helping the team He's not taking snaps And reps he doesn't want to get hit or anything like that He's been waiting for his deal to get done But he's there, he's helping players He's teaching And we get to see Some of his personal life, he loves music He loves to rap, and we see him in the studio Working on songs uh, We look at all the Rams getting their temperature check On the way into camp At this point, zero positive tests in either camp We get a look at uh, Juju Hughes Who's rocking the toothpick all the time It's his thing he, uh, he he started using a toothpick to stop biting his nails, which is something I should do. And now he wears he, he wears it. He has the toothpick in all the time. He walks around with it on the field everywhere he goes. That's dangerous. Somebody trips you and you fall with the toothpick in your mouth. That's dangerous. But he's funny. He was a. Uh, there's some you know what's great is when we see these we get to see some of the personalities here. And. And then Melvin Ingram, he gets a guaranteed deal for 2020 And we see him on the field and, and getting involved And he is so, so good So good out there So tough to stop Chris Harris has a fun, um, nice moment Where his family has now moved out with him Kids haven't been with him for a month The wife had to go, uh, His wife had to go back and forth Now they're out there And he can feel a little more comfortable um, Like it's actually home with the family the Rams have a dress rehearsal at SoFi Stadium for the first time. The guys are pumped. They're playing offense, defense. Clay Johnston and Juju Hughes getting some reps in, trying to survive the cuts. They are three weeks out from the first game. That is Hard Knocks Episode 3. We're going to get into Hard Knocks Episode 4 in just a second. Oh, don't forget about our friends over at Sarah Candle Company, C E R A Candles.com. All natural soy wax Free from all those toxins found in paraffin wax A a bunch of the other leading brands use that So are you someone who uses Burns a lot of candles Does your wife, your husband Your friend, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister Anyone that you know out there Turn them on to Sarah Candle Company We'll give you a little bonus If you use the promo code G-I-N-O You get 10% off of your purchase This is a small business That has a goal To create a candle Healthy, natural, clean burning High quality that everyone Can enjoy, they didn't want them to be $100 candles, they wanted them to be Very affordable, you have 25 different Scents you can choose from, 3 different Sizes, 
best ingredients, quality packaging, longer burning because of that all natural soy wax, they actually will burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax used in other candles. They give you instructions on how to clean your candle, details on how to keep your candle burning perfectly and uh, the long burn. Remember you you know you're burning a flame in your house, you want to be careful, you want to trim your wick a little bit, you want to make sure it's clean in there. You want to put it out the right way with putting the Sarah Candle uh, top right on, on it. This is a perfect gift for someone. Promo code GINO gets you 10% off your purchase. Sarah Candle Company. It's sarahcandles.com. C E R A Candles.com. Promo code GINO. So, the most recent episode of NFL Hard Knocks was, was a different one. Because it was a lot focused on the things that have been going on in the world in the last week or so. The things that we really can't ignore. And Sean McVay mentions this very early on in the episode. But one of the first things we see is Sean McVay and another one of the Rams coaches looking at the video of what happened to Jacob Blake who had been shot seven times um, in the last week. Sean McVay is visually distraught and one of the assistant coaches are talking about this and they're discussing how their team should protest. Should it be canceling practice? The team is all reeling And What Anthony Lynn Talks about is how can they get a team Ready with the world on fire You know How can he keep his team even with stuff Like this happening in the world Something that both coaches Sean McVay and Anthony Lynn wonder We see coach Phil Mack Practicing for his broadcasting career early on And then uh, what's a real Bummer is that Mike Williams the big target wide receiver who can go up and, and make um, you know jump catches with the best of them. He gets hurt diving on a pass play. He looks in major pain, shoulder sprain. He's going to be out a few weeks. It's a big blow for them. Rookie quarterback Herbert is struggling a little bit. New scheme, new playbook. Everything's very quick. But it's good for him, and the coaches like it. He, it's growth when you struggle because it's, it's all about how you improve and, and how you bounce back. For the Rams, rookie wide receiver Van Jefferson getting great reviews. They are uh, raving about him. He had a great scrimmage. They love the routes that he's been running, and he's been going up against Jalen Ramsey in practice. Jared Goff is happy with how the defense looks. Remember, this Rams defense really needs to be improved. They were a sieve last year. You could just do whatever you wanted against that Rams D. Now we're getting to the point of hard knocks where we have to make the cuts. So first it's rookie backup quarterback Josh Love Then uh, rookie linebacker Brian London They keep teasing what they're going to do with Clay Johnston Who's coming off his ACL surgery He's trying desperately to make the team Fun little segment with Anthony Lynn Working with the running backs on jump drills Trying to get into the goal line Or get that yard that they need to go up and over And then the rookie Brandon uh, Fahuko. Whose pops was a big part of Hawaii Doing all sorts of ceremonies and cultural performances Braden was also a part of uh, That with his family In some of those performances when he was a kid And this guy has a great Head on his shoulders He just seems really smart He's very well liked He does one of his cultural dances To help break the team down And the guys get real pumped They get real into it We see his conversation with his family on Zoom They are very proud of him They are in tears So happy for his success And then quarterback Justin Herbert He bounces back the next day Looking much better Much more comfortable after a bad day 
And that's when the tone changes a little bit Because the news of the boycotts from the NBA The Blake shooting, they all spread The coaches are devastated The players and teams around the league They show support in different ways Some protests, some cancel scrimmages Some cancel practices Anthony Lynn, he's not as high on, on canceling things Just to practice Because he unless, unless there's something more behind it He wants it to have a little more meaning But he's going to stand by his players no matter what And in the end, they end up Canceling their scrimmage They decide not to scrimmage There's bigger things in the world to worry about that day They'll make it up next week This is a heavy episode Real world stuff that's just hard to ignore Sean McVay talks about the issues that Used to never be discussed in in sports Race, religion, and politics Because we have to talk about them now We can't, they intersect The Rams discuss what they should do And it's it's uncomfortable discussions for everybody But some very insightful conversations too And as there's the Rams get ready for another scrimmage at SoFi We see Anthony Lynn Who gives an open floor to the team to speak their minds And the Charger coaches and and players have some passionate words And then we see at the end they decide uh, not to scrimmage So not as much football on episode 4 of Hard Knocks Because it was just a week where A different week A sad week But hopefully a week that we look back on And see that there was some change that came out of it Folks Thanks for tuning in to this episode of That's What G Said Big thank you to Andrew Champagne and Darren Zocali For joining me Hope you enjoyed Don't forget, rate, review, download, subscribe Everywhere you get your podcast Share it around with all your friends If anyone's uh, asking for some help with the Kentucky Oaks And don't forget about the Derby We will have a big Kentucky Derby preview Going all through all those races With a bunch of different guests throughout the day Enjoy the week Good luck on Friday And I'll be back again in, in the next day and a half or so With uh, a big episode Your Kentucky Derby Saturday preview On That's What G Said 